All right, guys. Welcome to a a uh, a Monday day after Easter edition of Steel Toes and Score. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, go go ahead. Say it one more time now, since I got the mic on. Right. Uh, well, it worked. Yeah, yeah. I, I did it to several people at work, and just to see some people express it. You know, <laughs> how do you identify a dogwood tree? Right. Everybody's thinking, well, I don't know, leaves. I said, no, by the bark. <laughs> Happy Monday, everybody. Happy Monday. <laughs> That's pretty bad, isn't it? So, isn't it? <laughs> so we we had to improvise on the fly. Um, minor technical difficulties. But uh, our old intro that we went back to after three uses of the new intro, we had to dip out because I'm having issues with the uh, SD card. So we put a backup card in, so you'll be hearing things like this. Right. and things like this which was used for our kobe bryant episode back in july yeah because we <laughs> had to make some changes but uh so here we are right this is the first time i've been at your house to record this is the first time we've done a full-length episode since super bowl weekend yep yep and luck uh, was happy to see you no luck was happy to see me now me i don't know uh, you look uh your beautiful beer oh man yeah we're gonna plug sponsors we haven't plugged sponsors since right. uh right we've been doing a lot of uh, uh smaller episodes uh the reason the reason for that is because uh do you know, are you familiar with the term magnum opus uh no okay so magnum opus is a term that's used to describe like creators like writers and okay. poets okay. and artists and the magnum opus is like their their finest work or some of their last work. This right. is their most impressive. Right. This is going to be our magnum opus episode. Right on. And uh, it's taken a lot of time to prepare, and we are still not done. Right. So. Uh, pretty tough episode, to really. Right now, we are at 63 pages of notes and over 40,000 words, and it's only going to grow because I still have to add more to it. So we're going to record a little bit today. Uh, we're going to do a marathon session. We're going to record half the episode and upload it. We're going to record another half back-to-back, which we're breaking the fourth wall. I'm not supposed to tell you that. Right. Oh. But we're, going to, we're going to post-product that, and then I'll probably have that one set to release tomorrow or in a couple days. And then this weekend, we're going to get together and finish it off because uh, this was supposed to be the top ten point guards in NBA history. Right. And... Uh, this is Kurt's fault. Oh, yeah. Well, no, no, well. hear me out. So, in the days following the Super Bowl episode, where we did the, the you know, our current events episode, I gave Kurt an option of picking four things, and I did this at work. I was standing right by his saw when I walked up to him. I said, a career look back at Brett Favre. I said, Patriots 2007 season. I think I said Islanders win four cups, which we that eventually is going to happen. Right. I said our top ten point guards because I'm an idiot, and he goes top ten point <laughs> top guards. 10, yeah, and that didn't happen because as I got we we took a couple days to put a list together, and we had like thirty or forty names, and then as I grew into it, we had a top ten point guard list with like twenty seven guys on it because there was ties Tied everywhere. Over, yeah. So we've expanded the list. It is our first top twenty-five episode. So we're we're doing a top twenty-five point guard list with ties on it as well. So we have a total of thirty point guards on the list. So fuck me, it's our show. We'll do it how we want. 
So, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, to the best of our knowledge, all research and information provided in today's episode is factual, honest, and accurate. Any opinion-based information, we will preface by saying that this is ours. And, of course, any audio, copyright information, all that shit goes to the proper parties. We don't want no lawsuits. Amen. Uh, you know what I love most about this podcast? What's that? It's opinion-based. Right. I mean, we, we, we share a lot of actual information, but we share a lot of opinions. Right. So, you know, a month... You know, a couple months ago, we started on this, and I thought it would be easy to, to form a top ten list. That's not the case. The list is now revitalized to 25, and that was still not enough. I still had to stick five more in there. So we have 30-point guards on the list. Currently, my research, we are up to number eight, which I will finish over the course of this week. But um, I don't know how else we're going to... Uh, should we plug someone? You know, you know what? We we probably should. Let me pull up the sponsor page, right which on. I haven't had to use in forever. And, and we'll uh, dive into I, it, I mean, because yeah, I mean, we haven't done that in forever. Then we maybe dive into it. Dive into it, yeah. I need to get back out there and hustle and see if we can get some more people that's interested. Right. Right. Hustle. Hang on, it's it's loading, puss. Jared on the hustle. I know. We've been busy, busy, busy. Yes. yes. All right, we're gonna. Here we go. Should I play some? Let's play a little. Here you go. Lowe's Ice Cube. Yeah. I almost sounded so, like Barry White. <laughs> yeah. So check out JDJ Log Builders on Facebook.com. They're a business. It's, they've been a business for over two decades. The owner grew up in the log home business. This is my best friend's company. This is the guy I worked for for a few months before I met Kurt. They build log homes from scratch. They can build log kit homes. They can do complete log home refinishing, log replacement. Uh, they do. They can do some general contracting. You know, a quick weekend roofing job here or there if you might need it. A pole barn, but mostly it's all log home stuff. Uh, give Jeremy a call at 812-827-0427. Again, that's 812-827-0427. They're not just Southern Indiana local. They will travel. So check out JDJ Log Builders. Uh, if you knows know me, you check out my personal Facebook page. If you go back far enough, you'll see shit on there that we built, which is pretty awesome. So there, we're paying Bill. That right, one's dude. a freebie. That right. one doesn't count. That one's right. a freebie. Okay. We're doing this on a Monday. It feels weird. It feels weird. It's a holiday Monday. And I'm so happy you dressed up for me. I mean, oh, yeah, right. You just look so cute in your little flannel pajama pants and your flannel Dude, shirt. There is nothing cute about me, all right? Just That's that. for sure. Yeah, I mean, right. Okay. So, you ready? Yeah, let's dive High five. Yep. Tradition around this place. Yep. I need a lucky strike. A lucky strike. I'm broke, so I bought hundreds because they last longer. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I don't know, and again, as we always say, we have so much information that I put a lot of shit in here, and I never know what we're going to need till I get in there, and it's more kind of like what kind of mood I'm in, whether I pick it or skip it. Right. So. It keeps me on my toes, though. Kurt was so happy at Christmas when I got a printer from my dad for Christmas, because he's like, I can have a copy of the notes, but... <laughs> Like I said, we're still growing, and right now we're at 63 pages and 40,000. I wasn't printing 63 no. pages of notes out for you. No. That's a tree or two, right? <laughs> Crap. Is it a dogwood tree? Yeah, it could be. Uh, 
They generally don't get that big. How do you tell a fucking dogwood tree? How do you identify it? It's a dogwood tree. By its bark. By its bark. I hate hate you. (laughs) So coming in at number 25, we have a tie. Right on. A tie. So we have a 25A and a 25B. Coming in at 25A, the jet. Kenny Smith. Kenny Smith. It hurt me to put him on here. I mean, it's arguable. He could have went higher. And this list is going to be full of controversy. Oh, yeah. Uh, this list was went through many times. I have pictures. I might put it up on our uh, Steel Toes and Scoreboards Facebook page. But you got to start somewhere. Kenny was born March 8th, 1965 in Queens, the borough of Queens, New York City. He was drafted sixth overall coming out of where? You know uh, where? Yeah, North Carolina. North Carolina. Dean Smith. 1987 Peter. NBA draft. That's the year I was born. Where did he, where did he get drafted to? Do you remember? Rockets? No. No, he did not. Sacramento Kings. Okay, he finished with the Rockets. Fun fact, though, he began his playing career being coached by the guy that you and I both often refer to as the Mountain when you talk about basketball's mountain. Oh. um, Right there. Dean Smith. No. No. His coach in the NBA. Oh, in the NBA. Oh. You can put any face on Mount Rushmore you want. Adam got mad at us, but you carved the mountain out of Bill Russell. Bill Russell. Russell was let go by the team 58 games into Smith's rookie season. He would go on to make a NBA All Rookie First Team. He averaged 13.8 points, 7.1 assists per game. He would go on. He would be traded then to the Atlanta Hawks halfway okay. through the 89-90 season, where he became a role player, backing up of all people. Doc Rivers. Doc Rivers, okay. Yeah, he backed up Doc Rivers a little bit there. Uh, he was only averaging seven points per game or so, starting five of the 30 games he played. He would then be traded after the 90 season to the Houston Rockets. Rockets. That's when when I think of Kenny the Jet, yeah. I think right. Rockets. You know, Hell, he won a championship, right? Uh, the Rockets, he would uh, – he'd spend six seasons there with the Rockets – He'd really become the player we all remember. Uh, he helped to take them to two NBA titles in 94, 95. Right. Yeah. Behind uh, Hakeem the Dream Olajuwon. Clyde Drexler. I love his Clyde, Clyde Drexler. Clyde Drexler, dude. Holy shit. Kurt's favorite story to tell me all the time. He goes, that Clyde Drexler video you sent me. Uh, oh, an awe. Shocking awe. You that, watch that all the time. What an athlete. Clyde Drexler is one of my all-time favorites. Smooth. Uh, the Rockets would eventually release him after the 95-96 season, which didn't come as a surprise because he had steadily lost playing time to the guy Adam Sweet calls the ugliest player in NBA history. Sam Cassell. Sam, and you know how many times his name has come across this list with other players? Really? I did not put him on this list. There could be a strong case to be made for Sam Castle to go on this list. Yeah, but I don't think he's top 25. But I don't think he is either. But he's definitely the top, like, ugliest player in NBA history. <laughs> Adam Sweet goes, him and Nick Van Axel, two ugliest uh, guys in boy. history. Yeah. Uh, I did put my notes behind Sam guard. Castle. I put another solid point guard in his own right. Oh, yeah, for sure. But uh, Kenny would go on to sign with the Detroit Pistons. After that, they would waive him 
um, after only nine games in the 96-97 season. The Orlando Magic would then come calling for Kenny Smith, but they would turn around and wave him after only six games. Had he blowed his knee at some point? At some point, I think. He would be he would then be picked up by the Denver Nuggets and he would play the remainder of the season and he would get actual meaningful playing time for that Nuggets team, but they only managed to win twenty one games that season. Oh. And then in his last season as a player, Kenny would average seven and three assists per game while seeing about twenty minutes a game. Uh I went ahead and here's the thing, you gotta think. I've been working on these notes off and on for like two months now. So you could definitely tell where my earlier notes started versus where I've really picked up in the last days because some, some of the guys have more stuff on them. Some guys have uh, – I, I just remember Jed Smith uh, in North Carolina being one of the fastest – That's why he's the Jet. Point, I mean, with the ball. I mean, really pushed the tempo. That's why it works so well in Houston, I think. He could run an offense. Yes. Yeah, oh, yeah. And he was <laughs> – Man, with the ball, he was super quick. Basketball just, IQ. And good IQ, yes. Absolutely. Not every point guard has good IQ. No. That's why there are two guards. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, yeah. Okay, so here here we're coming in with some controversy. Anyways, uh, he's a two-time NBA champion. He was all-rookie first team. That's the reason why he makes it on my list. If I'm the top 25, would be the two NBA championships. So, at the end of this episode which will be the saturday episode i'm assuming or whenever we record you know we're kind of going to go through all the criteria we were looked at but not every guy meets every criteria so then we have to kind of cross-examine everything and don't ask me and kurt it's our it's our show it's where we think they need to go so right so here's going to be controversy coming out of the gate right here at 25b stefan starberry marbury Ooh, uh, yeah. You ask our boss. He gave me a very hot take the other day. Oh yeah. He said, "Top twenty-five all time, uh, not NBA, because he did play a lot in China, right? But for the time period. So, anyways, uh, Marbury is born February twentieth, nineteen seventy-seven, Brooklyn, New York. He coming out of high school. Fun fact." He was coming out of high school in 1995. He was a McDonald's All-American and a top-five nation recruit alongside such names as Antoine Jamison, okay. Paul Pierce, yeah, the truth. Kevin Garnett, among others. Pretty good list. That's pretty good company. Oh, yeah. That's pretty good company. Not going to lie. He played college ball at Georgia Tech, and then he got drafted fourth overall in the 1996 draft by the Milwaukee Bucks, who then traded him directly to the Minnesota Timberwolves who had the next pick for the draft rights that the Timberwolves would end up drafting Ray Allen in a future protected first-round pick. Ray Allen, boy, you stupid. There will be a, a Ray Allen career look back episode Man. at some point. Um, so Marbury would go on to average 15.8 points per game, 7.8 assists his rookie season. He and his second-year player, Kevin Garnett, would then take the Timberwolves to the NBA playoffs in 97 and 98. And during the lockout-shortened 99 season, Mulberry would demand a trade, said he wanted to be closer to family and friends. Uh, The rumor mill said it was more about money, that he wanted to go to a bigger market where he would be provided with more endorsement opportunities. 
Uh, well, another rumor churned that he just hated Minnesota and was jealous of Kevin Garnett's contract and success. Eventually, he would be traded to the Nets in a three-way trade in which Terrell Brandon was sent from Milwaukee to Minnesota and Sam Castle, Yeah, here we go again, Sam Castle was sent from New Jersey to Milwaukee. Uh, but while playing for the Nets is where Stephon Marbury really became an all-star. He, uh, he would go on to do quite a bit of things. Um, let me see here. And then uh, he would get traded to the Phoenix Suns in the 2001 offseason for Jason Kidd and Chris Dudley. As a son, Marbury would make his second All-Star team and his uh, All-NBA third team appearance in 2003. Not a lot to skip forward here. Uh, He would eventually then end up leaving uh, the Spurs and would become traded to the New York Knicks for a whole bunch of players and a first-round draft pick. And this brought him full circle as he grew up in New York. He was a lifelong Knicks fan. He played for the U.S. on the 2004 Summer Olympics team. Uh, and in New York is where he really, you know, like right. blossomed into, right. I don't know, a star, a half a star, whatever you yeah. want. A respectable point guard. Yeah. You remember Marbury? Oh, yeah, a little bit, yeah. So... He didn't mesh well in New York, though, with the coaching change. He got into it with the – do you remember who the head coach would have been at that time? Uh, Larry Brown. Larry Brown. Okay. I was going to say Nick Van Gundy for some reason. Oh, Van Van Gundy. Yeah. Wasn't he a Nick coach at one time? I think he was. Stan was. Yeah, yeah. So, anyways, him and Larry Brown were – got embroiled into a huge fight. It just, it, I mean, I'm trying, I can vaguely remember. I like me some Larry Brown, too. My, my high school days, I can vaguely remember. He was good. He had a good uh, IQ, I think. Um, let's see, skip here. So, eventually, he gets dealt from the Knicks, um, which, like, I, I want to keep in mind, like, Marbury was a good player. He was yeah. a solid player. Yeah. I don't think he's going to – anybody that's going to go out of their way and be like, I completely want him, but he was solid. Uh, I think he's worthy of being on this list. Eventually, uh, the beef with him and Larry Brown resulted in Larry Brown being fired by the Knicks. Really? Mike D'Antoni um, would then come in to be a coach. And then eventually Marbury would go packing – and he would go to play for, I believe, the Celtics, if I can. You know, we don't sound very professional here. Well. Having a lot of technical problems. So, yeah. So, anyways, uh, on February 29, 2009, the Knicks and Marbury agreed to a buyout after much speculation of his contract. New York wanted him gone after a while. They got tired of his antics. Not saying he was a huge drama queen like somebody like Antonio Brown, but... I'm professional. You know professional. Professional no work for us no more. No. But anyways, Marbury was offered a one-year uh, contract by the Celtics for 2009-2010 for the veterans minimum. He declined, saying that he was going to focus on his life after basketball. And then that was pretty much his NBA career because the very next season he would go to play on in China uh, where he spent the rest of his career. I'm not going to list all of his 
I mean, I, I listed part of his NBA stuff. Uh, uh, just know that dude balled out in China. He won tons of awards. He was a three-time league champion in China. He won some MVPs, multiple all-star appearances in the China League. But he's been very active off the court now. He's now coaching one of the Chinese league teams. He's an owner of a Chinese arena football league team. He has dual citizenship of China. He has a green card. Uh, he And he's also very much a philanthropist and a charity given away for causes. Um, he donated money to the victims of 9-11 when he was in New York. He donated to Hurricane Katrina in 05. And when, at the height of the COVID explosion in March 2020, he helped facilitate getting masks and other equipment sent. Right. So, but yeah. as far as his NBA stats go... Um, Nate, there's no championships on here. I was going to ask a question. He was a two-time NBA All Star, 2001-2003. Two-time NBA All Third Team, 2000-2003. One-time NBA All Rookie Team. Uh, one-time NBA All Rookie. You can only be a rookie one time, <laughs> right? Anyways, probably doesn't belong on this list. Brother, Some people's going to say, "Brother, I love you." You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. But, Hey, you don't make my 25. Hey, 25 you know days. what? Because no championship. No championship. That, that's going to, I mean, what kind of Championships criteria? do figure in, but if we're basing off guys that don't have any championships, then John Stockton don't need to be on this list. Oh, fuck. There you go. Uh, oops. 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 Give it away. Steve it away Nash now. don't belong on the list. Give it away now. Give it away now. Adam's not a John Stockton fan. He's just, not a Steve Nash fan, and they're both on the list. Uh, you know, and Opinionated. Dave Bing don't belong on the list. Though. I've seen that name on there. <laughs> We're giving away too much. Well, I just I don't. Not think every great player is going to be put in position to get a championship. Although right. some people is going to say, right? If you're a great player, you should have championships. Yeah. But uh, yeah, the pieces have to be right. I mean. Well, does the next guy belong on the list? Coming in at number twenty-four. Okay. He doesn't have a championship. All right. Derek Rose. Ooh. Mm. No, he doesn't. But that one year he had in Chicago was. So I'm sure there's people screaming if they're still listening. Right, Derek Rose, I put on the list 24. Is he too high? Is he too low? Does he even deserve to be on here? I don't know. It's our show, our rankings, and uh, Derek Rose born October 4th, 1988, in Chicago, Illinois. He played one year in college at Memphis under head coach. Oh, come on. He puts guys in the NBA religiously now for Kentucky. Oh, Calipari. He coached at Memphis? Well, he coached at Memphis before he went to, yeah. Okay. So he was selected number one overall by the Bulls in the 2008 NBA draft. At the time coming in, the hype surrounding D. Rose was legitimate, or so I believed, and so did a lot of people. And this was during that period of time where I wasn't really watching basketball religiously. I'd kind of checked out right right after right. about high but I was still keeping tabs right. on you know right. you're a sports fan right uh, but seeing what he was doing in Chicago the love the city had like this Chicago loved it. his hometown oh, yeah. kid it kind of brought me back to basketball and he would be the first Bulls player since his Royal Airness to score 10 or more points in his first 10 professional games he would go on to ro- win rookie of the year Jordan Joining Jordan in 85 and Elton Brand in 2000 as the only Chicago Bulls players to do it. 
and the first number one overall pick to do it since LeBron did it in 03. His rookie year, he was averaging 16.8 points, 6.3 assists, 3.9 rebounds, 47.5% shooting. So he was looking good. I mean, yeah. Uh, they would would they make? He helped the Bulls make the 2008 postseason as a seventh seed in the Eastern Conference. And in his playoff debut, he scored 36 points, tying Kareem for most points by a rookie since 1970. <laughs> Coming in also with 11 assists. So he's, you know. Dude, he's unguardable. Uh, Do you know, remember who won the NBA Finals in 2008? It was the Celtics. Yeah. Did you know. Garnett. Garnett and Pierce and Allen. Did you know that a rookie, Derrick Rose, took the eventual champion Celtics to the wire in a seven-game series? Yeah. yeah, I do remember some of that, yeah. And things would only go up from there. Um, and I don't want to go through it season by season, but things only trend up from there. He's living up to the hype. He's living up to what he's going to be. Things are looking good in Chicago. Unguardable. Unguardable, yes. Um, and then here's where, as I like to say, sometimes the wheels come off. In December of 2011, he would sign a five-year contract extension for $94.8 million. This, at the time, was over 30% of the Bulls' salary cap allowed, the maximum allowed under the rule dubbed the Derrick Derrick Rose rule from the NBA-CBA agreement. Um, 2011, it just... um, yeah, you know, the wheels you know. keep coming off. Well, no, I mean they're they're starting to. I I got it in here. Uh, so, and then November twenty second of two thousand eleven, Derrick Rose injured his right yeah. knee during a game against the Portland Trailblazers. An MRI the next day confirmed that he tore his meniscus and that surgery was required. At the time, he was averaging fifteen four. And on November 25th, he underwent surgery for his torn meniscus. That was, uh, he was out for the season. And he was never really the same player out of that. For for a three-season span, it looked like championships galore were coming back to Chicago. Yeah, yeah. a lot of hype. Since that time, uh, to kind of put a bow on this, on June 22nd of 2016, he was traded to the New York Knicks, and then he on April 2nd, 2017, he was ruled out the rest of the season after tearing a meniscus in his other knee, and just yeah. knee injury after knee injury, and then yeah. he, he bounces around. He, um, he would go play for the Utah Jazz. He would spend some time with LeBron in Cleveland. Uh, then he would sign with the Pistons. Um... Never will, and then the same explosive. Yeah, was not there. And then he went back to the Knicks, the hot where he is now uh, in the 2021 offseason. The Knicks signed him to a three-year contract extension worth 43 million dollars. Uh, I know, you know, I didn't cover everything there with him because yeah. I mean, there's so much information right. to cover. Right. I really think had his body not failed him, his and he's still playing. Yes, he's still not. Playing. He's not. The exceptional player that he was, he's at least, but a now couple he's steps slower for sure. He he's 
became solid in the last few years yeah. he's become solid savvy solid yeah he's not the same Derek Rose and I no. really think had his body not just shit the bed on him yeah the sky was the limit there so unguardable um yeah and there I didn't even list half of his shit cause this was the early days of the notes so I don't have all of his you know accomplishments right. and awards so we'll just uh we'll move forward uh Number 23. Okay. Mark Jackson. Big point guard. Derrick Rose belong on the list. I, you know what? I'm going to. Uh, you you charge me with putting the list together. You he, you give me these names, I give you these right. names, and then you say put the list together and rank them. So I'm kind of interested. I mean, me and you have never really had a I, fight on the air before, but no. damn it, if you want to fight, fight with well, me. Well, I ain't going to be a fight or anything, but. It, well, you know. He, I don't want you to hurt me. You're old and. Yeah, I'll, Wise, I'll probably but, break easy. I mean, brutal. verbally fight with me here. Uh, I don't think he belongs on that list. Ooh. Ooh, yeah, hot take. Hot take. I, what about Mark Jackson? Top 25. Point guards of all time? He belongs. Mark po- Jackson po- was a solid fucking he, player. He, yes, he was. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Yeah. For sure. Okay. Uh, he possibly gets in my top 25, yes. We got a lot of New York guys on this list too. Born in New York. Mark Jackson was born April 1st, 1965 in Brooklyn, New York. He played. Do you know where he played college ball? Uh, oh, it's right there. I want to say Syracuse. But no, it, it, it starts with an S. St. John's. St. John's, I'm sorry. St. John's. Alongside uh, Chris Mullen. Was it Chris Mullen was there too? Uh huh. I can't think of their coach's name. Uh, I didn't put it in there. Okay. <laughs> so Jack, he was drafted in the first round, and obviously this is uh, this is um, February notes here. He was drafted in the first round of the '87 NBA draft by the New York Knicks, which put him teaming up with Patrick Ewing and one of my favorite players that everybody kind of hates. John? No, 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 no. Charles Oakley. Charles Oakley. Solid player. You know, sidebar. Rebound. Why machine. do people hate on Charles Oakley so much? Because he he, well, thinks, he was an it, asshole, wasn't he? Well, he kind of had thug mentality, man, a little bit after the court. Who doesn't love Charles Oakley, I, though? I always did like Charles Oakley. I thought he was very, very efficient at what he did, which rebound and get people's heads and defend. He was a damn good defender. Nobody got in people's heads better than Bill Lambeer. Oh, Bill Except for another guy on the top ten of this list, which we'll get to later. Right. Nicknamed The Glove. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he could get in people's head. For those of you that don't know, you'll just have to wait. Right. Uh, but anyways, Mark so Jackson. a rookie Mark Jackson's teaming with Patrick Ewing and Charles Oakley, and they took the Knicks to a playoff team in the late 80s and early 90s. Uh, before the Knicks peaked and became regular playoff contenders, though, he was traded to the Clippers in 1992. Mm-hmm. He had a steady career with the Knicks, notably under coach Rick Patino. Patino. Averaging 13 points and 10 assists per game in his rookie season, earning him. Assists, folks. That's the highest so far on this list. 10 assists. That's another criteria <laughs> for a point guard, I think. Dishing the ball out. You got to get everybody involved. He won the rookie of the year. 
He was the lowest overall draft pick to win the award since Salisbury did it in 58. He was the only non-lotto pick to have won the award since the introduction of the system in 85. And until the 2016-2017 season where Malcolm Brogdon won the award as a second pick. Uh, let's see here. What else do we got, Dirty Curdy? I like Mr. Mark Jackson. Oh, really? You like Mr. Mark Jackson? He can dish the rock. Uh... Let's see. So, they're title contenders. Um, but then I want to—I just want to skip forward here. Uh, so, yeah, after the 91-92 season, Jackson would be traded to the Los Angeles Clippers in a trade that saw Charles Smith and Doc Rivers go to the Knicks, which is funny because Doc Rivers was a Clippers coach eventually. Right. But, uh There's not a lot to write about. I didn't find a lot worthy of putting in here about the short time he was with the Clippers. And then in June of 94 is when he came to the Pacers. Right. And, you know, with Rick Smits there, Dale Davis, Reggie Miller, and I believe Antonio Davis, too. Chris Mullen was on that team. For five out of the next six seasons, they, the Pacers yes. were solid solid in the 90s, contenders. Uh, Jackson would eventually be traded to the Nuggets before the 96-97 season. Uh, the last time the Pacers were yeah. competitive. Yeah, that wasn't a good deal. He was a good fit with yes. the Pacers oh, organization. Yeah. That was a good team. The pay the those Pacer teams, they were good. Reggie Miller, Reggie Miller scores nine points in eight seconds I or thought, whatever it was. I thought they were missing another score always though. Another guy that could just when Reggie wasn't hitting and on, could light it up. I thought they were the one piece short all the time, but should have got Grant Hill. That would have been the other piece, folks. Stop for you right there. You had me, Grant Hill. Kurt knows this isn't a Duke thing because I am a closet Duke fan. This is a, a Grant Hill was my guy as a kid. Like everybody loved Jordan, everybody loved Shaq, everybody loved Barkley. Yeah, those were all my guys. But like Grant Hill was my guy. He was pretty damn good. So, anyways, so yeah, he would uh, be traded to the Nuggets. And then he comes back to the Pacers. Uh, then he would leave the Pacers in the offseason, <coughs> go play for the Raptors. And they had extra money due to Tracy McGrady being leaving at the time. Jackson would only play 54 games for the Raptors before being traded at the trade deadline back to the Knicks. When he was traded to the Knicks with Muggsy Bogues, uh, not nothing happened. Just right. he's on the twilight of his career yeah, here. Right. Uh, he became the starting point guard though for the rest of the season. He helped the Knicks to a fourth seed in the Eastern Conference, and they got knocked out of the playoffs by the Raptors. The Knicks ended the 2001-2002 season with a 30 and 52 record out of the playoffs for the first time in 15 years. Uh, 
course, like I said, we're coming to the end of Jackson's career here. In October of 2002, he signed with the Utah Jazz, played for them during the 02-03 season. January 2004, he signs with the Houston Rockets to back up Steve Francis. He only played 42 games as a Rocket, and he finished his career at the season after that season. Um, what kind of career numbers are we talking to you guys? So he ranks 13th on the NBA's all-time great. Some of this I knew. Like I said again, I got lazy. Well, you have the easiest job. Oh, yeah. I just tell no you to read an article, right. watch film. Right. I'm the stat geek, the nerd geek. This was a huge list to put together. This will be our magnum opus episode, although this first episode, the first few kind of suck here because I'm going off of February notes instead of more current shit. But I was lucky enough to put Jackson's shit in here because I like So Jackson ranks 13th on the NBA's all-time list. Uh... 1,296. What the fuck is that? Is that his points? Sure, it's an assist, probably. Or some, I don't know. So more than that assist, surely. I'm trying to think what the fuck the 1,296 is. I, I, he's a, a pretty good defender, too, if I remember right. I mean, steals. He's 26 on the all-time minutes played list, 77th on the all-time three-point field goal miss, 65th on the all-time three-point attempts list. Fourth on the all-time assist list with 10,334. 23rd on the all-time steals list with 1,608. But when the fuck is the 1,296? That's not points. No, he scored more points than that. I wonder what the fuck that is. I have a glare in my notes. right There's a sp- there's two spaces instead of games like played. one space. Maybe. I bet you that's what it is, games played. Yeah, it is. It, okay. Yeah. yeah, it is. All right. Yeah, okay. Okay, yeah. I got scared there for a minute. Uh, And then 23rd on the all-time steals list, 1608. He never achieved great individual success despite winning Rookie of the Year in 88. He only made one all-star appearance in his career in 1989. He is also notable for prompting an NBA rule change, which I thought you would do this. This is often known in today's circles as the Mark Jackson rule. That is a thing. Google that. Um that is his penchant for when he would back down guards in the post yeah. for you're laughing yeah. for 15 or more seconds at a time then the league would institute a five second back to the basket violation right which is now literally known as the mark jackson role. right right because jackson was a son of a bitch as a defender uh well yeah and he had good ball handling skills too. Really oh good. hell yeah i mean um, when he said, uh, what, fourth all-time assist? Yeah. That's pretty impressive, folks. He belongs in the top 25. Thank you. Thank you, Kurt. Thank Absolutely. you for that. Jackson was never a statistical oddity. Uh, he never really averaged more than 15 per game and only averaged 45% shooting from the field and 32 from beyond the arc for his career. But what – I think really sets him as part was just his ability to lead an offense at an think, efficient yeah. rate. There you go. And he limited turnovers. turnovers. There you go. High so, IQ. High IQ. Everybody involved. That's my idea of a point guard. Thank you, Kerr. Yeah, he's in the top 25 in my book. Okay. Okay. Coming in at number 22. Right. Which we laugh about this. Obviously, this was before my time. So... You know, thank God for growing up as a child and then YouTube and the internet. And coming in at number 22. What the hell is that? Look, you're oh. crying, boy. Mr. Fo, Fo, Fo. 
Go to bed four games, four games, four games. You got me on Maurice Cheeks, baby. Mo Cheeks. Mo Cheeks was born September 8th, 1956 in the Windy City. He was taken 36th overall in the second round of the 78 NBA draft by one of your favorite teams. The Sixers. The 76ers. Playing college ball out of West Texas State University. Didn't know that. Played 15 years as a point guard in the NBA. That's impressive. 11 with the 76ers. Let's see what all I got here for Omo Mo. I know he's got at least two championships. Uh well, give me just a second. I wanna I wanna scroll down and, and look at something real fast. In, in your jockstrap defender. In your jockstrap defender. Yeah. yeah. So man, this I gotta get this this really was a problem because I worked on this off and on for two months and then I let it I didn't work on it for like three ever. <clears throat> there you go, folks. Bonus content. I've not been doing my job. Uh, so he earned four trips to the NBA All Star Game. He helped the 76ers with three trips to the NBA Finals in a four year span in the 80s, 80, 82, and 83, including an NBA championship in 83. And I want you to think about this. While starting at point guard for a 76ers team at the time, that included Dr. J. Dr. J. Daryl Dawkins. Daryl Dawkins. Moses Malone. Moses Malone. Andrew. Tony. Tony. And Charles motherfucking. Mm-hmm. Barkley. Barkley. Cheeks was well regarded for his team playing defensive skills. He earned the he was named a four straight NBA all defensive squads from eighty three to eighty six and earned a spot on the second team in eighty seven. He had his best seasons while as being a Philadelphia seventy sixer. Yeah. And at the age of twenty two, he gained significant playing time on the seventy sixers roster, solidifying himself as the starting point guard and earning himself valuable minutes. You see how excited I get? Love Mo Cheeks. Oh, me too, dude. Before my time, love Mo Cheeks. Yeah, for sure. Uh anyways. Going on, the 76ers were also in playoff contention every year that he was on the team, except for the year I was born, the 87-88 season. By his fifth year in the league, he was selected to his first All-Star appearance, and he had averaged 12.5 points, 6.9 assists, and 2.3 steals for the 82-83 season. <coughs> the 76ers also had the best season in this era, having a 65-17 and record, which is the second-best season record in franchise history. They would win the NBA championship that year, which was Cheek's first and only title. Unfortunately, he would be an integral part of the 76ers for the rest of his time in Philadelphia. However, they failed to repeat the level of success that they had, had reached in the 82-83 season. He would be selected to three more All-Star appearances. And it just goes on. Yeah. It just goes on. I'm going to cut it off a little bit there. Uh Cheeks was looking balling out. Uh in the eight. Uh, the 76ers were no longer the elite title contenders, though by the 86-87 season they had been prior. They were swept by the Knicks. And then the 89 offseason, they would trade him to the San Antonio Spurs for Johnny Dawkins and Jay Vincent. Both. And it... (laughs) (laughs) Kirk Kelly... That is why you're on. That is why I can't do this without you. I need those little quippets. Bus. Bus. Well, I mean, yeah. Dawkins. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
At 33, Cheeks was aging and in the twilight of his career, but he still played pretty well for the Spurs, averaging 10 points a game. He played 50 games for the club and was the starting point guard. However, he wasn't able to finish the 89 and 90 season. And uh, here, I'm getting ready to, to, to read you something. And this is a name. This is a name that I had brought up to you and you liked, and I did not put him on the list. Okay. In February of 1990, Cheeks was traded to the New York Knicks for Rod Strickland. Strickland. Man, I, I like some Rod Strickland, too. I almost put him on this list. Yeah, he's a damn good guard. Uh, anyways, Cheeks would play the remainder of the season in New York. He's only averaging 7.9 points, 31 games for the franchise. They went 45-37 that year and made the 1990 playoffs, but they lost in the second round, getting murdered by the Detroit Pistons. Is that um, the bad boy here? Start. So we're looking at 90, yeah, yeah. kind of. Yeah, 89-90. Yeah, Fucking Bill and Beer. We need to do a Bad Boys episode. Yeah, hell yeah. Yeah, for sure. As much as I talk about Isaiah, I wonder if Isaiah will be on the Okay. If Isaiah is not on the list, we shouldn't be doing a podcast. We probably shouldn't be doing one anyways. I don't know if he makes it or not. <laughs> I think you'd fire me if he was on the list. He definitely not. Um, so anyways... Uh, Following that, in the 91 offseason, the Knicks would trade Cheeks to the Hawks for Tim McCormick. Solid player. McCormick was a solid player in his day. Uh, And also a 1994 first-round pick, which would later become Charlie Ward. Uh, Cheeks' point average dropped drastically to where he was only averaging like five points a game. He was no longer the same caliber player. He would become an unrestricted free agent. He would not resign with the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, oop, scroll just a little too much there. Let me back that up just a hair pudding. Um, no cheeks. Yeah. Let's see. Where did he go here? Let me lose, lost my spot. In the second to last game of the 91-92 season while playing for the Hawks, visiting the Knicks, Cheeks picked four steals off to surpass longtime Philadelphia teammate Irving for the ABA and NBA steals record. Um, after the season ended, he became a free agent, but he never played in the NBA again. At 36 years old, he would retire from the NBA. In 2018, he was inducted into the Basketball Hall of Fame because we don't have an NBA Hall of Fame. He was inducted into the Naismith Hall of Fame. In NBA history, he ranked sixth all-time in steals and 11th in assists. And upon his retirement from the NBA in 1993, he was the NBA all-time leader in steals and fifth in assists. Of course, he was later suppressed. Um, here's 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 some. Uh, this is still February notes, but it's uh, it's a little more. It's a little more. He's a one-time NBA champion, a four-time All-Star, a four-time All-Defensive First Team. That's a big one with me. Me do. One-time All-Defensive Second Team. Uh, but he was very animated too. Um, never averaging more than 10 po- 16 points or ten assists per game. Cheeks was the longtime point guard for the 76er. He prided himself on strict defense oh, yeah. and his ability to control the tempo of the game yes. without turning the ball over. Yeah, key. That's very key. That's very key. Yes. 
Uh, these mics are so loud when you fucking move them, dude. I know. When I'm always editing these episodes, you can tell where me and you have bumped About the mic it. or moved it because the, the EQ goes... <laughs> <laughs> Technology, it's a fickle beast. Yeah, it is. Uh, but anyways, he played a... He played a key role on the most, some of the most dominant teams in league history, as well as the famed '83 Sixers team that we talk about, right. which featured Moses Malone and Dr. J and his foe, foe, foe. Oh. <laughs> um, hop in your Google machine because I always like to tell you guys shit that's funny or comical you should see. Get on Google. I think there might be a clip on YouTube too. I don't remember. But uh, just Google, Google, Yo. just Google, foe, 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 which yeah. is four, four, four. Just you know, with uh, Mo Cheeks's drawl, it's foe, 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 <sighs> meaning they were going to win four games, four games, four games, win the NBA title. Right. It's just it's hilarious. It's the foe, foe, foe. That was a damn good team. Oh, and and you always like small little random quippets oh, that yeah. I put in. Oh yeah, his number number ten was officially retired by the Seventy Sixers. It'll never be war again. If, uh, you're, man, I tell you what, if your jersey gets retired, you're worthy of a, a list. Does he belong on this list? My mind, yes. Do I have him ranked just about right? Too high? Too low? I think it's about right. Because he was at right. twenty-two. Because there's going to be some argument about the guy coming in at 21. Uh, a guy that's a, a current player, a more modern player, and a guy that doesn't have any championships. Guy got close last year to getting a championship. Did not get it. I remember. Uh, this guy was born March 6, 1985 in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, and played for the late Skip Prosser at Wake Forest University. CP3 coming in at oh, 21. Okay. Chris Paul. Uh, this was about the end of the February notes. <laughs> and I did a little bit of work in March and mainly done all the work this weekend. So, and still working because they're not finished. Uh, this Honestly, is where I really started to get real in depth with the notes. So there is a huge bit say, of Chris Paul you need shit. To sell me on Chris Paul. If I have to say on Chris Paul, I'm going to have to go a little bit more in depth. Okay. So. I don't, I, okay, so he he played college ball, Demon, which by the way, Demon Deacons, yeah. coolest coolest yeah. name in. That's pretty cool. Yeah, Demon Deacons. Uh, he was taken fourth overall in the 2005 draft by the New Orleans Hornets. Uh, that was about the time Hurricane Katrina. Da, 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 da. So they played most of their home games in Oklahoma City during his first two seasons with the team. He finished his uh, first season in the league leading all rookies in points, assists, steals, double-doubles, and become only the second rookie in NBA history to lead the league in total steals. With final averages of 16 points, five rebounds, seven assists, and two steals per game, he was unanimously named the Rookie of the Year. The only other rookie to receive a first-place vote was Deron Williams. I was going to have a little quip about Deron, but when I think of Deron, I just kind of don't think about Deron because there's not a lot to... Anyways, this is getting more towards the time when you were kind of checking out of basketball a little bit. Yeah, 
it for sure. Kind of like when I was checking back in, I mean, you were kind of checking out. You were still kind of. No, still not. You weren't really. You didn't have a fancy internet phone like you got now. You yeah, probably had one of them old school flippers. That's fancy, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Can't yeah. Really, you can get on the internet on a flip phone. It wasn't very good. Yeah, it wasn't very good, though. <coughs> I still got a pretty cheap phone. I miss phone. <laughs> these fucking things. I'm holding it right. I hate these things. Them old school flip phones, you could chuck that son of a bitch 75 yep. yards into a pond of water yeah. and pull it out and it'd still work. still work, yeah. So I need to sell you on CP3. So yeah, you gotta sell me on CP3. Oh man, that's gonna be a lot to try to sell. There's a I put so much fucking information about CP3. Almost like I knew I was gonna have to do this. <laughs> um, where are we at here? I mean, I have seen the footage of him playing. He increased his sophomore season. He was averaging 17 points a game, eight assists per game. He only played 64 games due to injury. So right off the bat, yeah. there's a little, but he got his first All Star appearance game. Um, he's still playing. He's still playing. Okay. Phoenix Suns, I okay. do believe. So he's got one thing going for him: here, longevity. Career. Longevity. Yeah. Uh, let's see. So now we're in year three. Prior to the start of the 2008-2009 season, he signed a contract extension with the Hornets worth $68 million. A lot of scratch. December 17, 2008, he set the NBA record for consecutive games with steals at 106 consecutive games with a steal. Several occasions he came within a few steals of recording a quadruple double, including a 27.10 rebound, 15 assists, and 7 steal game. Against the 76ers in January of 2009. That was all over ESPN. I can remember the highlights for that. His final averages for that season were 22.8, 5.5 rebounds, 11 assists, and 2.8 steals per game. So he's balling. 11 assists. Yeah. That's pretty impressive. Uh, and the steals are so pretty impressive. Too. Oh, so you get into the 2009-2010 season. The Hornets didn't do so well. They fired Byron Scott. Uh, Chris Paul would start a little controversy when he would announce he was displeased with the move, commenting that the team management should have consulted with me and asked how I feel before that happened. Okay, time out, time out. You're a player, right? not management. Right. And even though you're not management, you're not LeBron. Right. You're not Kobe right. at that time. <laughs> So their little ego. I mean, they don't need to consult shit. They they shouldn't consult shit with LeBron and Kobe either. I mean, but out of respect for LeBron and Kobe being LeBron and Kobe, who were probably the two biggest stars in the league at that time. I mean, who's signing these checks? Yeah, you're CP3. Like you're you're a young CP3, not the CP3 we know. Like we're not consulting shit with you. Right. Right. Who's signing the checks? The ego on this motherfucker. Yeah, that's a strike. Uh, and then. Maybe some karma. Come, I don't know. Uh, early in February 2010, he would tear his fucking knee up. He'd be sidelined for over a month. He missed the All-Star game. He only played 45 games that season. And then in 2010-2011, he had another injury scare. Uh, yeah. Here, here we go. Almost already, I'm thinking. No. No, because when I think of a, a great point guard, is durability. Longevity, and then the other things that fit. You know, that's you know. Then we get into the numbers part of it. 
and the championships. Numbers are important. Yes, absolutely. Uh, if you were a good teammate or not. Right? I'm going to break out the criteria for this list, and people are going to be like, what the fuck? And then they're like, well, some of these guys don't check the criteria. Well, some do. Well, then they're not checking these criteria. I have to examine this another way. This is We have a Jared and Kurt system, which is probably completely fault flawed and completely <laughs> fucked but everybody on this list found a way to be on the list because the jared and kurt system liked what they brought to offer right 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 the yeah. jks the They're jared and kurt, kurt system. system right okay they i mean we ain't gonna have any listeners anyways uh what do you mean i don't know they think we're the, i mean this must be our magnum opus that's the word it, of the day it, magnum opus, opus. it is magnum opus and if they don't think so, they can kiss our. Yeah. That's right. We're doing a marathon session today. We're going to upload one, record another, upload one. So I got to keep selling you on Chris Paul. So yeah. 2010, 2011, he had another injury scare, uh, head on collision on the court. I don't remember this. I don't remember them talking about this. But apparently, him and Ramon's sessions collided and they both got carried off the court in a fucking stretcher. CP3 got a concussion out of it. Uh, but he would return two games later. Uh, they Hornets made the playoffs. They were matched up against the defending champion Lakers in the first round. In game one, uh, CP3 balled out. And in game four, he balled out. Uh, but the Lakers, uh, you know, they were eliminating six games. He took Kobe to the wire almost. And then on December 8th, 2011, so for the 2011-2012 season, the Hornets would agree to a three-team trade sending CP3 to the Lakers. I know you don't remember that. I know. Yeah. Like, I the remember. thought of Kobe playing with CP3 was, okay. <laughs> the NBA, who owned the Hornets at the time, nullified the deal because uh, Commissioner David Stern claimed that New Orleans would be better off by keeping CP3. The teams involved in the transaction attempted to lobby the league to reverse its ruling and reconstruct the deal, but to no avail. So a month later, on December 12th, the Hornets agreed to a trade that would send CP3 to the Clippers instead. But the deal broke down after the NBA added additional demands to the original terms. Two days later, the teams finally completed the trade, sending CP3 and two future second-round picks to the Clippers in return for Eric Gordon, Chris Kamen, Al Farouk Amini, and the Minnesota Timberwolves unprotected first round pick which would be later used to draft Austin Rivers so it's like maybe they didn't want a super team they didn't want CP3 with Kobe there and everything going on I don't know that would have been a good matchup a good uh, yeah that would have been pretty tough right uh and here's where here's where things get good uh the Clippers have already got Blake Griffin. Okay. They've got DeAndre Jordan. Right. If memory serves me correct. Uh, Grant Hill's in the back end of his career. He's there. Okay. Chauncey Billups. Yeah. And I'm going to go ahead and break the fourth wall. Chauncey Billups is on this list. Right. I was a Chauncey Billups guy. Right. I could not put... He won a championship. I, yeah, I could not not have him on this list. So now CP3 is coming in. This is a Clippers organization that only made the playoffs once in the 2000s era, which, by the way, 
Sam Castle right. helped take him there. Right. We Sam just keep passing Sam Castle over, don't we? Just keep yeah, and I don't know what if his because okay. he had an ugly mug or I don't know. <laughs> but anyways, this is a Clippers organization that then in LA it's not all about the Lakers anymore. Right. The Clippers start right. picking up steam. And that's when they become Lob City. Yeah. Because the alley oops dunk from Paul to Blake Griffin or Paul to DeAndre Jordan. Lob City and CP3 would fucking blossom in LA. He'd go on to start averaging like 19 points a game, nine assists in a game. He became the first Clipper to be named to the NBA All First Team since the franchise moved to LA in the 80s. Uh, All Star appearances left and right. You're really going to make me do this, aren't you? Well, I'm not sold yet. Oh, my God. At the 2013 All-Star Game, CP3 led the West to a victory with a 20.15 assist performance, earning first All-Star Game MVP, which comes with a caveat because the All-Star Games in this era aren't like no. the All-Star uh, Games in the past. No, I don't These know. are smarter players, younger players, richer players who were like, hey, if I blow my knee out in this stupid freebie right. game. right. Whereas back in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, and 90s, these motherfuckers were ball. It was about pride. Right. Right. Yeah. For sure. There wasn't no 200-point games like there is now. Right. They actually played little defense. Yeah. Had a game plan. Uh, but anyways. Uh, and I think it should go back to that, shouldn't it? Yeah. 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 He would finish the 2013-2014 season, or the 2012-2013 season, I should say, helping the clicker. Clippers to a franchise record 56 wins. They were seeded fourth in the West, entering the playoffs. They were defeated in the first round by the Memphis Grizzlies, which, by the way, in the early 20-teens, the Memphis Grizzlies were a pretty damn solid team. Mark Gasol was a solid player. You had Mike Conley, I do believe. Yep. Uh, Was Penley on it? No, Penley wasn't. No. Uh, The Clippers announced they would not renew head coach Vinny Del Negro's contract. Vinny Del Negro. Yeah. Like, Vinny Del yeah. Negro was a good coach. Yes. Um, played it where? Where did Vinny Del Negro well, play? NC State, wasn't it? Under Volvano? Might have been. They did, was he on the 84? Might have been. I didn't check that. Might have been. I was thinking He's he, looking at me, folks. That means check it out. Well, I'm just curious. I, I thought he played in NC State and was maybe part of that Volvano team. All right, all right. He's looking at me, folks. I better check this out. Okay, Google. Where did Vinny Del Negro play college ball? Vinny Del Negro attended North Carolina State University. Oh. There you go. All right. I thought he was going to back up. Maybe a starter. I wasn't a starter. Anyway. Anyways, uh... Rumors arose of CP3 forcing Del Negro out. So, <laughs> here, here you go. Uh, but then at the start of the 2013-2014 season, he'd re-sign with the Clippers for a five-year deal on a contract worth over $107 million. Despite a shoulder injury that sidelined him for over a month, they set a new franchise record with 57 wins. His final averages that season were 19-10-2. and two. In game one of the second round of playoffs, he hit a career postseason high eight three-pointers to help the Clippers 
take a series lead over the Thunder. And in Game 5, with the series tied 2-2, he made a string of mistakes that would eventually lead to the Thunder beating. Uh, but CP3 would take ownership in the press game conference, saying it's all it's all on me. Everything that happened is on me. Uh, Oklahoma would eventually eliminate Los Angeles in six games. And then in 2014-2015, for the first time in his career, CP3 would play in all 82 games. So for the first time in 10 mm-hmm. years, you know... Not sold. Not sold. Sorry, bro. But it, it's all right. I mean, CP3, okay. good ball player, for sure. So they lose in the playoffs uh, to the Rockets in seven games, despite them holding a 3-1 series lead over the Houston Rockets. That if, season, if only him and Kobe could have played together. I want to. I want to point something out about this. The 2014-2015 season, he played all 82 games. Okay, he averaged 19.1 points and had a league high 10.2 assists per game. Mm-hmm. They made the playoffs in Game Seven of the first round of the playoffs. CP3 would hit a go-ahead shot with a second left to take the Clippers over the sport over the Spurs, despite him playing with a hamstring injury, okay? So they beat the Spurs. This is a Spurs team that had just two seasons before went to two straight NBA final appearances. Right. Losing one to the Heat and LeBron, beating one with the Heat and LeBron. Okay? That would put them in the second round against the Houston Rockets. And they eventually lost in seven games, despite having a 3-1 series lead. This would have been the team... That year to take them there, right? And he was balling out. The defeat would mark ten consecutive seasons and seven consecutive playoff appearances without an NBA Conference Finals for CP3. So, man, I'm going through CP3 at link here. Well, I mean, you had somebody you're trying to sell. So January of 15 and 16, he would lead the Clippers on a 10-game winning streak despite missing Griffin and Jordan at various points of the season due to injury. For the third straight year, he would finish with averages of 19, 10, and 2. And to begin the postseason, they drew a matchup with Damian Lillard and the Portland Trailblazers. They would take a 2-1 series lead. There's somebody I didn't think of. I thought about Dame. I did. And And I voted no. Okay, all right. I mean, I said what's, one guy I had, for some reason, I hadn't thought of. Huh. Okay. <coughs> uh, anyways, uh, in game four of that, he would break his hand and was ruled out without CP3 and Blake Griffin. DeAndre Jordan and the rest of the supporting cast couldn't carry this team past anybody. So they would lose the series. And then in 16 and 17, CP3 would miss 21 regular season games due to rest or injury. At the season's end, he was not rewarded with an all-star honor. That was just the second time in his career he would fail to make an all-NBA team. And then the playoffs, they would make the playoffs. And then in the playoffs, they would be eliminated in their first-round series against the Utah Jazz while he was averaging... 25 points, 9 assists, and 5 rebounds over the 7-game playoff series. 
And then on June June of 2017 was when he got traded to the Rockets uh, in a big trade, a big trade. Uh, the Rockets would give up Patrick Beverly, Sam Decker, Montrez Harrell, Darren Hillard, DeAndre Liggins, Lou Williams, Kyle Wilter, and a future first-round pick as well as cash. That's the amount that they put together to put CP3 in Houston with James Harden. And at the time of this, I thought this was the shit. Because huh? you're going to have Harden, who can play the point, right. but he's more traditionally a right. two guard. You're going to have him and CP3. If <laughs> Harden's kind of a ball hog, but the reason he's a ball hog is because Harden's fucking smart. Yeah, he's pretty good. IQ. If you let CP3 run the offense. That was gonna. Anyways, I yeah. I had high expectations. Oh well, yeah, for this. that's on paper, man. It's like poo hoo. Good. Uh, so uh, combination there. But what about the Kobe? If him and Kobe would have been together. Yeah. So I'm kind of gonna end it there. Uh, I'll and just summarize the rest. On July of 2018, the Rockets would sign him to a four-year, 160 million dollar mic. Oh, I can't talk. A four-year, $160 million max contract. A lot of scratch. A lot of scratch. Uh, in the 2019 Western Conference semifinals, CP3 and the Rockets would uh, lose to Golden State. Uh, and if you remember, there was no Kevin Durant available for the Warriors at that time. Right. July 2019, the Rockets would then, a year later, they would trade CP3 and two first-round picks and two second-round picks to Oklahoma City Thunder in exchange for Westbrook. For the first time in years, CP3 found himself on a young, rebuilding team without championship aspirations. Despite speculation involved that the Thunder would try to move on from Paul immediately, he embraced his role as the veteran leader of the team, which earned him praise from head coach Billy Donovan. He would look good while playing for the Rockets, or the Thunder, excuse me, uh, continuing to put up double-digit stats. He would get an all-star appearance. His first one in like six, five, six seasons. Uh, the Thunder would uh, lose in the playoffs. Eventually, he took them to the postseason. They would lose. Uh, November of 2020, the Thunder would trade him to the Phoenix Suns, uh, which is where he spent time, which is where he is still at. And then uh, he made it all the way to the NBA Finals yeah. this past year against the Bucks. That's a plus, yeah. Uh, eventually, they would lose. To Antetokounmpo. Yeah. Uh, the Freak. The Greek Freak, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Oh, man, what a... Ugh. And then in August of 2021, this past summer, he would sign a four-year contract extension with the Stuns worth up to $120 million. Uh, he's often referred to as the point god. Um, many people surmise that he deserves to be on this list. He's a 12-time NBA All-Star, an All-Star Game MVP, four-time NBA All-First Team, five-time NBA All-Second Team, one-time NBA All-Third Team, seven-time All-Defensive First Team, two-time All-Defensive Second Team, Rookie of the Year, Rookie First Team, four-time NBA Assist Leader, six-time NBA Steals Leader, and part of the 75th Anniversary Team, which for those that don't know, the Anniversary Team select the best players 
in league history to put on these teams. Uh, them kind of numbers are starting to pull me in. I tell you what, dude. I, I, hey, you, man. If you want him on the list? He's there. No. Because I don't really know enough about him. I just don't remember much. You weren't watching as much. Watching and as this much. is when I started getting out and then come back in. So I put him on the list. Yeah, that, that's good enough for me. Okay. You told right. me. Okay. You want to yeah. pay a bill? Let's pay a bill. Let's pay a bill. I was I was surprised when he said, "Man, just come on out Monday. We'll just we'll we'll just bomb it out. We'll do a marathon." I was like, "Well, what if I'm here till six or seven? He goes, "Well, I guess we'll get something to eat and we'll start yeah. recording again." All right, you want to pay a bill? Let's pay a bill. Okay. So check out Glary Guitars. You can find him on Facebook or uh, check out GlaryMusic.com. That's G-L-A-R-R-Y. Very, very reasonable and affordable instruments. I have a acoustic I bought last year, $80 acoustic. Kurt's seen it. Kurt's played it. Kurt likes it. Uh, it's a $80 acoustic that looks, sounds, and plays like a $300, $500 guitar. Oh. I like to call mine the Canon because of how loud it is. It's very it's loud. Very loud, yes. Very, uh, very little adjustment out of the box. So they're basically ready to go. And they, they have more than guitars. They have electric. They have basses. They have fiddles. They have anything you need. Uh, give them a call at 1-606-404-6286. Once again, that's 606-404-6286. That's com. Right on. Looking, we're, we're an hour and 13 minutes into tape. We're doing good. Yes. So, CP3. Okay. This one is where some controversy is going to come. And uh, our quote-unquote third anchor, who's never sitting on an episode, but he's pitched in across the hall. Right. He uh, had some pushback. He gave an opinion last night. Yeah. In the wee hours of the morning when I was working on this, you sent me a text. At coming in at number 20, we have another tie. Coming in at 20A, I have uh, the NBA logo himself. Jerry. Jerry West. West. Jerry is listed as a point guard for most of his career, although some are argued and Doyle made his opinion. Jerry is more of a two-guard. But uh, basketball reference and uh, Wikipedia and uh, NBA.com and everywhere else does have Jerry listed more traditionally as a point guard. Yeah. So. Jerry West. Uh, comes uh, dirt poor. Yeah. Appalachian, West Virginia. Born May 28, 1938 in Shilin, West Virginia. West Virginia. Uh, Mountaineer. He was drafted with the second overall pick of the 1960 NBA draft by the Minneapolis Lakers. Lakers, yeah. Yeah. Huh. Huh. Oh, uh, let's see here. Uh, his college coach was also hired to coach the Lakers. I just realized I didn't put his alma mater. Uh, oh, he played college ball for West Virginia. Yeah, I was Mountaineer. Bob Huggins. He didn't. He didn't play for Bob, Bob Huggins. Huggins no. Obviously, that's well, his I like coaching now. Bob Huggins. I love yeah. Bob Huggins. Yeah, he's a Bobby Knight guy. Yes. Yeah. Uh, he became the first draft pick of the relocated Los Angeles franchise. 
his college coach was hired to coach the Lakers. He played West as a guard in contrast to when West played, he played more as a forward in college. The Lakers at the time were uh, captained by Hall of Famer Elgin. Elgin Baylor. Elgin Baylor. Uh, and a lot of people. Rod Hundley. Yeah. Bobby Leonard. Bobby Slick Leonard? Uh-huh. And uh, I have an absorbent, and I mean fucking absorbent amount of research for West. Okay. And I am being so lazy, I don't want to go through it all. Well, for some reason, you ain't got to sell me on Jerry West. So, what I want to do... What I want to do... Okay. Is uh, just summarize it, if I can, and then read you the stats. There you go. If I can find it without being connected to the internet hopefully it'll just there we go um I hear birds in the background fill time for a minute Kurt fill time well uh, we'll just let nature do it now I hear birds the birds are good yeah I put like I put a shit load of Jerry West information in here so I'm just gonna kinda uh super hip he became the first player Voted NBA Finals MVP from a losing team. Really? In 69. It's kind of a summary. Uh, Not a real good summary. Where's the one I'm looking for? Dude, you should see how many window tabs are open on my computer over there. (laughs) Shit I was looking at. Where's the Jerry West one I'm looking for? No one on this earth could probably hate the Celtics as much as he did. He lost to them in the finals six times out of the six. He faced them. Uh, that was Bill Russell. But there, he put right? up beastly numbers against them on a consistent basis, just as he did the rest of the NBA. West was a masterful combo guard who performed at a high level thanks to his scoring and playmaking. He was a great shooter, both off the dribble and with his feet set. He made the all-star in each of his seasons in the league, which only four other players with 10-plus seasons have ever accomplished. He ranks all-time 228th in rebounds, 32nd in assists, 22nd in scoring. Uh, Let me go back to my notes here. Man, I didn't realize I put this much in. This is still February notes here. Must have been on a good one that night. Would have lost to Bill Russell them times. What? Probably, Probably so. Yeah. yeah. Uh. Yeah, because uh, yeah. one of the finals here, uh, he became the only recipient of the finals were of the finals MVP after losing the team. After the loss, West was seen as the ultimate tragic hero. After the game, Bill Russell held his hand and said, I love you, Jerry. <laughs> oh, Bill Russell. Yeah. Dude. I think there's four pages that was just Jerry West. Uh, well, that puts him on the list right there. Okay, so here we go. Let's see. Let's Let's summarize this now. Try to cap it off. And uh, kind of just cap it off. 
there's a lot of information I had in there that I just I just got a little bit lazy. Don't want to go through. I don't want to go through four pages of Jerry right. West when I don't have to sell him. Right. To you. You don't have to sell him. No. Uh, so a couple things I want to point out in the seventy six seventy seven season, West become the coach of the Los Angeles Lakers after he retired. In three years, he led the Lakers and star center Kareem to a 145-101 record, making the playoffs in all three seasons and reaching the Western Conference Finals. And then, of course, for 30 years, from 79 to 2009, he was a high-ranking executive for the Lakers. Uh, And then in 80, you know, the first three years, he was more of a talent scout. And then in 83, he became the GM of the Lakers. And I know what you're thinking Yes, this was the guy responsible for putting the Showtime Lakers of the 80s together. This was the guy responsible for bringing in Kobe, for putting Shaq and Phil Jackson with Kobe. And then in 2002 to 2007, um, well, actually, I had that wrong. Anyways, he was a GM for the Memphis Grizzlies. There's nothing noteworthy about that five-year period. And then finally in May of 2011, he joined the Golden State Warriors as an executive board member, reporting directly to the new owners. So this is a role that came with uh, a minority ownership stake in the team. He was uh, this is the guy that was responsible for forming, right? Yeah, the fucking yeah Warriors well, team. That's uh, Spice Brothers and all. Yeah, uh, and then uh, he's now. Uh, a member of the Clippers organization on the board of directors and uh, a management role. But anyways, Jerry West finished his career a one-time NBA champion, one-time finals MVP, 10 all-NBA first-team selections, 14 all-stars, four all-defensive first-team selections. He's in. He's in? Oh, yeah. Uh... Jerry West belongs on this list. Yeah, because it's our show. It's our show, and I didn't have to say it. And sorry, guys, I just, you know. Yeah. February notes. So, 20B, Tim Hardaway Sr. I think Miami Heat when I think of Tim Hardaway. Me too. I had to put him on this list. I debated him putting him on, and then... I also debated putting no relation Penny Hardaway on this list. Right. And then I decided I'm only going to go with one Hardaway. And uh, Mr. UTEP Two Step, Tim Hardaway, was the one. He was born September 1st, 1966, in Chi Town. Played college ball at UTEP. He was drafted 14th overall in the first round by the Golden State Warriors in 89. He had an insane crossover dribble, yeah. flashy moves that would eventually become known as the UTEP two-step. Yeah. And in the early days of his career, he would be paired with Chris Mullins and Mitch Richmond, which shout out to our first episode ever, the Golden State episode. Yeah. They would be called Run TMC. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they could do this, that. They could, uh, yeah. Fuck yeah, they could. It was like a three-man um, weave going down the court. Oh, yeah. Um. In his second season in the league in 90-91, he helped guide Golden State to the postseason. In the first round, the seventh-seeded Warriors crushed the two-seeded Spurs, who were led at that time by all-star, perennial all-star, David Robinson, in four games to advance to the second round to face Magic Johnson and the Lakers. 
Of course, they would fall in five games, even with Hardaway averaging 26.8 points, 12.4 assists, and 3.8 steals during the second round. Definitely had his hand on them games, for sure. Right? Holy yeah, fuck. That's pretty good numbers right there. Um, while he was there, he would become a three-time All-Star, reach 5,000 points and 2,500 assists. Faster than any player in history except for the big O, Oscar Robinson. Oh, and fun fact. It only took Hardaway it took Hardaway 262 games to do it. Uh, it only took Big O 247, so he's not far. Right. So good that's company. A, that's good company. That's pretty impressive. And then during the middle of the 95-96 season, Golden State would send him pack into the Miami Heat in exchange for Kevin Willis and Bimbo Cole. Bimbo Coles. Yeah, I remember him. Uh, his first full season with Miami was be his best season. He'd started 81 games that year, averaged 20.3 and 8.3, knocking down 203 trays for the season. He helped Miami reach a record 61 wins, finishing himself fourth in the MVP voting. I'm not going to do a full year-by-year breakdown here, but it's important to know that uh, Hardaway performed well during his st- his stint, his time with the Heat. And when I think of watching all the basketball I did in my youth and early teens, when I think of Tim Hardaway Sr., I think of him with the Heat. He helped bring the USA a gold medal in the 2000 Olympics. And then he was traded not long after the end of the 2000-2001 season to the Dallas Mavericks for a second-round pick. Now there, he was obviously in the back half of his career, but he would become more of a role player. But that's not without mentioning he still had some drawing power. In the middle of the season, he would be traded to the Denver Nuggets in exchange for the second ugliest guy in NBA history, <laughs> Nick Van Axel. He would start 14 games for Denver in 2002 to finish the season to, before retiring to become an ESPN analyst. That would only last briefly, as on March 27, 2003, Hardaway would sign a contract with the Pacers. He would retire for good following the 2003-2004 season. Uh, and after... Retiring, he would venture into coaching his later years. Uh, he was a player and head coach for the semi-pro ABA team, the Florida Pitbulls. In the summer of 2014, he was announced as an assistant coach with the Detroit Pistons. Uh, he was named to the Basketball Hall of Fame in March of 2022, and his number was retired by UTEP. He also holds the record for most assists in Heat history until Dwayne Wade broke it in 2010. Uh, and he does still hold the Heat's all-time three-point record with 806, and what is a huge sign of respect to fans and players by an organization. His jersey number ten was retired right. by the Miami oh. Heat. That says a lot. Five-time NBA All-Star, one-time NBA All-First Team, three-time NBA All-Second Team, one-time NBA All-Third Team. Are you, I, I like Hardaway Senior. Huh? Are you getting bored? Uh, no. Okay, because I was like, I didn't want this to turn into a shitty episode. Well, I don't think it's doing that, no. Okay, okay. But we can take a break at any point. I wouldn't mind getting me something to drink. You want to take a break? I would take a break. You want to pause it? Hardaway Senior at 20B. 20B, so that oh. next one will be 19. All right. Okay, we're back after an hour. <laughs> Kurt bought lunch yeah. That cow didn't die in vain, did it? That cow did not die in vain, did it? That's right. Uh, okay. Damn, I got a full belly. 
All right, let's uh, let's plug another. Yes. Pay bill. Um, pay bill. Pay bill. Who gonna pay? Well, we gotta save our girl for last because she's our best girl. Right. But uh, we got other bills we can pay. <coughs> okay. All right, guys. So check out Main Street Designs LLC in Jasper, Indiana. It's a small family-owned business that uh, specializes in laser engraving, direct-to-garment printing. They offer vinyl decals, baby blankets, logos for your tumblers, personalized items for your business. Pretty much do anything you want. Message them on Facebook or give them a call at 812-661-7765. They do uh, quality work. Very good uh, local Dubois County yep. business there. They do ship, uh, you know, wherever. So check out Main Street Designs, LLC. Good. All right. So how are you feeling about this? Uh, feeling pretty good? Yeah. Well, you were a little disengaged. I think we were hungry. Oh, yeah, definitely. Because I hadn't yeah. ate, and that's a lot for me. But all right. So Kurt and I on our way to and from Burger King. Shout out Burger King. Yes. For sure. We decided that uh, we'll probably do like 15, and then we'll do 15 through 10, and that'll be another episode, so. All right. Um, coming in at number 19. Yes. Cleveland Cavaliers. Before LeBron ran that town, that town was owned by this guy. Uh, Mark Price. Mark Price. Yes. Mark Price was born in Bartlesville, Oklahoma on February 15th, 1964. Another Ramblin' Rick product, wasn't he? No, he's, he was played for Georgia Tech. Yep, Ramblin' Rick, Bobby Crimmins. S- elected 25th overall in the second round of the 86 NBA draft by the Dallas Mavericks and then was dealt to Cleveland later on in the draft day. He helped establish the Cavaliers as a serious contender oh, yeah. in the Eastern Conference. Yeah. And I can't stress this enough. Think the LeBron James city love and hype minus LeBron James. That's what Mark Price got. Right, right. Uh, he was one of the most consistent shooters in NBA history at the end of his career, finishing with over 90% from the charity stripe, over 47% from the field, and over 40% from beyond. During the 89 season, he became the second player after Larry Bird to join the infamous 50-40-90 club. Right. For those that don't know, Kurt, what's uh, the 50-40-90 club? Uh, I'm not sure on a 50-40-90. 50 from the field, 40 okay. from three, and 90 at the line. Okay. And he is only one of eight players in league history to accomplish this feat while achieving the league minimum number of makes. Okay. He was consistently in the league's top ten or top five in assists each season and held Cleveland's Assist record with 42.06 until LeBron dethroned him in March of 2015. Another one of Price's distinguishing traits on the court was the pioneering of the splitting of the double team. And I got a quote in here from Steve Kerr that I think you're going to like. Okay. Steve said, Mark really revolutionized the way that people attack the screen and roll. To me, he was the first guy in the NBA who really split the screen and roll. A lot of teams started blitzing the pick and roll and jumping two guys at it to take the ball out of the hands of the point guard. He'd duck right between them and shoot that little runner in the lane. Nobody was doing that at the time. You watch an NBA game now, and almost everybody does that. Mark Price was the pioneer of that. Yeah, agreed. Uh, 
Christ was savvy. Very savvy. Very savvy. We're not talking about the tallest guy, the fastest no. guy. Wasn't the flashiest guy either. No. No, a grinder. Grinder. Down to business. I got some I got some Mark Price cards somewhere in the old card I, binder. I, I like Mark Price. I mean I did I do too. I did. Um so uh he was plagued by injuries later in his career, right. a factor in his trade to the Washington Bullets prior to the 95-96 season. He played one season for Washington before moving on to the Golden State Warriors, with whom he spent the 96-97 season. In October 28th of 97, the Warriors would trade Price to the Magic for David Vaughn and Brian Shaw. He spent one season with the Magic before being waived on June 30th of 98 effectively ending his career. Not long after his retirement, Price's number 25 in the ultimate show of respect was retired by the Cleveland Cavaliers. He is a member of both the Georgia, Ohio, and Oklahoma Sports Halls of Fame. Mm -hmm. The city of Enid, Oklahoma, renamed the basketball arena where he played high school ball at to the Mark Price Arena as a tribute. Um, He would venture into coaching at the collegiate pro uh, levels uh, with both head coaching and assistant stints starting in 1998-1999. He also held the, Fraz, the Cavs franchise record in steals with 734 until <laughs> LeBron surpassed him. He won the three-point contest in back-to-back years in 93 and 94. Wow. Um, he finished in the top 10 voting for league MVP on four separate occasions. He's a four-time NBA All-Star, a one-time All-NBA team, and a three-time NBA All-Third Team. Impressive career for a guy that was basically LeBron in Cleveland before we had yeah, LeBron in Cleveland. Definitely impressive. My type of guard, too. Grinder. Grinder. Yes. Grinder. Yes. Yes. Okay. So you're you're okay like with that? Floor general. Yes. Well, ultimately, that's what you want your point guard to be. Absolutely. A floor general. Yes. You let the big boys down in the paint do the work. You just get the ball down to them, but... I feel so, yeah, you get everybody involved. Make sure that everybody's where they need to be. What defense you're in, you know, that's the type of things I'm talking about. Okay, that's my idea of a point guard. That's your idea of a point guard. Yes. So more so than a points guard, I have do people refer to him as some people refer to it as points guard. I. So we've went through seven or eight spots now. You know, we've had eight or ten guys already now because we've had some ties. But now we're coming into number 18. And this is a guy that I knew I wanted to put on the list. I wasn't sure where exactly I was going to put him on the list at. And uh, I'm interested to see what you say about this. Okay. Uh, our boss, the infamous Adam Sweet, who's referenced on every episode, just like pro wrestling right, is. right. Nate Tiny Tiny Archibald. Archibald. Uh, Nate was born September 2nd, 98 in the South Bronx borough of New York City. He played college ball in two places. He played for Arizona Western in 67 and 68, as well as UTEP from 67 through 7. Excuse me. He played 66, 67, as well as 67 on through 70 for UTEP. He was drafted 19th overall in the second round. Of the 1970 NBA draft by the Cincinnati Royals. Royals, huh? I wouldn't have known that. ABA. 
Yeah, it was an NBA draft. NBA. I didn't know Cincinnati NBA franchise. Fun fact, the Texas, and I don't even know how to pronounce this, the Texas Chaparrals of the old ABA also drafted him as well. In his AB in his NBA debut, he recorded 17 points and seven assists. Um, on March 13, 1971, he set a then career high scoring record of 47 points in a victory over the Atlanta Hawks. On November 18, 72, he recorded 51 points and 14 assists. Mind you, there was no three point line at this time. There wasn't. There wasn't. No. That's just getting in and balling. Right. I'm just throwing it out there. So, yeah. See, you need to you need to do that more often. You need to throw these things out here. Well, when I think of them, I try to. Here you go. In the 72-73 NBA season, Archibald led the NBA in scoring assists with 34 points and 11 assists in 46 minutes a game, with all three averages being career highs, becoming the only player to win titles in both categories in the same season. Note. In the 67-68 season, Big O, Oscar Robinson, led the NBA in points and assists per game but did not win the titles because they were based on totals rather than averages at the time. In the 21-22 season, Trey Young led the NBA in total points and assists but was only fourth in point per game, which is current. Right. Uh, Anyways, Archibald's scoring averages of 34 points per game broke the NBA record for a point guard and as of 2020 is still a record for point guards. His 910 assists that season, which equals 11.4 assists per game, was also an NBA record at the time. He was named the Sporting News NBA MVP that season, and during the 75 NBA playoffs, Archibald made the postseason for the first time in his career after the then Kansas Kansas City Kings finished 44-38 and in the regular season. Archibald went on to average 20.2 points and 5.3 assists in the six-game series loss in the first round to Bob Love and the old Chicago Bulls. Archibald would play for the Royals Kings from 70 through 76. And although he was the Kings' most popular player, he was then traded to the New York Nets for two first-round picks uh, in 76. Archibald would then go on to average a comparatively low 20 points per game in his 34 games he played for the Nets. Injured for much of the 76-77 season, he was traded by the Nets to the Buffalo Braves, who would later become Los Angeles Clippers. Clippers, okay. Uh, He tore his uh, Achilles tendon and never played a regular season game for Buffalo. They would trade him to Boston as part of a seven-player deal at the time. His career at the Celtics started poorly. He showed up 20 pounds overweight. They weren't happy with him. Fuck yous were traded. But he eventually fell in line, adjusted, and he helped guide the Celtics to the best record in the NBA for three consecutive years from 79 through 82. And he won his first and only NBA championship with the Celtics in the 80-81 season alongside a very young Larry Bird. Larry Bird. I think he had to adapt his game a little bit after that injury, right? Instead of more of an explosive. Yes, he was. He was not the same player. He wasn't as explosive. A smarter player. Yes, smarter player. He became a more pass-first guard. Right. Which, yeah, I mean. Um, Archibald played on February 15th, 82. He recorded a 23 assists over the Denver Nuggets. And then in 83, he was waived by the Celtics. 
He would then go on to sign and play his final season with the Milwaukee Bucks, starting at point guard for all 46 games he played in. He was named one of the 50 greatest players in NBA history in 1996. He was inducted into the Naismith Hall of Fame in 91. In 2021, he was announced as part of the NBA's 75th anniversary team. He sits ranked 26 overall in NBA history and career assists and 104th in scoring. He finished in the top 10 of the MVP voting on five occasions, finishing third as his highest place. He would have his number one jersey number retired by the Sacramento Kings and his alma mater, UTEP. His career reads as a one-time NBA champion, a six-time All-Star, a one-time uh, All-Star Game MVP, a three-time All-First Team, two-time All-Second Team, one-time scoring champion, one-time assist leader, and a two-time anniversary team member for both the 50th and 75th anniversary teams. Uh, I like where you got him. You like where I got him? Yeah. I mean, he could even go a little I higher. Was you know, but a little higher, little, probably. probably. Looking but, back in retrospect, I probably could have put him a little higher than 18th. But, but um, I mean, I'm cozy with that. Cozy. Yeah. Cozy. That's funny. That's funny. It's funny you would say that. Anyways. Cozy. I'm cozy with that. Cozy. What do you think? Think you know anybody named Cozy? No. Cozy? Cozy? Oh. Dude, give it away, dude. <sighs> Damn it. Damn it. Well, yeah. So here comes some controversy. Um and before I go into any stats, I'm just going to say we're going to jump right into this. Number 17, I'm sure there'll be some controversies. There'll be people that are out there that are saying he doesn't belong on the list. or some people that saying that's too low. There'll even be some people that's saying that's too high. And this is where I'm interested to see what you have to say. Coming in at number 17, born March 23rd of 1992 in Melbourne, Victoria, Australia. Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving. At number 17. 17. <clears throat> Adam Sweet says basketball IQ, he's one of the top 10 of all time. Attitude wise, drama, playing wise, not even close. Hit the nail right on the head. I think he hit the nail on the head there. Basketball IQ, he's probably one of the top 10 players yeah. I've ever seen. But yeah. as far as his attitude on the court, um, he does have a championship. <sighs> right? That's right. He, uh, his his dad played college ball at Boston University alongside Sean Teague, who uh, Jeff and Marquis Teague's dad. Uh, he played. His dad played under Coach Rick Pitino. Now Kyrie himself, uh, deep pedigree. One season. You're all right. Duke, Coach Duke. K. Yeah. Uh, he was selected first overall in the 2011 NBA draft by the Cavaliers, who at that point were a season removed from LeBron cutting bait and heading south to Miami. Um, <coughs> and then I got a whole bunch of Kyrie stats here. Uh, let's just say Kyrie's first three years in Cleveland, although they didn't translate to a whole lot of success, individually-wise – um, Kyrie was balling out, showing everybody he was worthy of being it. There was a primetime game in um, January 2013 uh, on primetime right around Christmas. It was it was New Orleans versus Cleveland. 
It was the two back-to-back picks, number one going up. It was Anthony Davis with the Pelicans going up against Kyrie and the Cavs. And it was a, it was a hell of a game. Uh, I watched I'm just bringing that up from memory. Uh, but now... Um, I'm thinking, what's he going to do with this current situation in, with the Nets? He still plays with the Nets, He right? still plays with the Nets, yeah. All, all buttload of talent there, right? Yeah. They've had some pieces that are left, like yeah. uh, Harden's gone. Right. Uh, Which is unfortunate. Yeah. But Kyrie was already getting all-star appearances by – you know, year two or three, he was getting All Star Game MVPs. Uh, he was the All Star Game MVP of the 2014 All Star Game. Um, he was recording 31 points and 14 assists. Uh, and then I just want to fast forward the first, like I said, the first few years before LeBron came back, there wasn't a lot of super success, but Kyrie has an individual success. And then on July fourteenth, twenty four or July of twenty fourteen, he signed a five year, ninety million dollar extension with the Cavaliers. This came after LeBron's return to Cleveland and Kevin Love's trade request from Minnesota, as the trio set up to form a big three in Cleveland, and it that was, was groundbreaking. Three. It was a big three. So I want to I want to break off this just for a second to set a picture for everybody. So the summer of twenty fourteen was you know i had my accident at work in may you know second third degree burns and i spent you know four or five months at home convalescent so when i wasn't you know pilled out of my head with all the medicine they had me on and i wasn't drooling sleeping 18 hours a day i'd be awake during the day my wife and our little son and our newborn i would just be watching espn and it comes across you know, Spurs beat the Heat. LeBron James opts out of the right. Miami deal. Right. At the time, I'm thinking LeBron's opting out. He's just going to re-sign a bigger contract than Miami. He's not going anywhere. Then it comes in that LeBron's coming back, back to, to Cleveland. Cleveland. And they've already got Kyrie, and you can tell the star that Kyrie's becoming right. that he's going to be. At that point, the draft that year uh, w- was huge. You had like Jabari Parker coming out of Duke. You had Andrew Wiggins coming out of Kansas. Uh, another couple big names I can't think of where they were coming out of. Cleveland had already had, I believe it was Andrew Wiggins, who was set to be a star, so we thought. Right. They deal him to Minnesota to get Kevin Love. Then LeBron's coming back, and it's like all of a sudden you're sitting here looking – there's a big three in Cleveland. LeBron's coming back. Kyrie's there. He's going to have Kevin Love down in the paint because Kevin's pretty versatile. He can play the five. Yeah. yeah. Oh, uh, traditionally, he's a four, four I think. Right. But he can play the five. Four. Yeah. Stretch four, yeah. So it's he's going to have Kevin Love down in the paint. He's going to have Kyrie kind of run the offense. Although, let's make no doubt, LeBron's running the offense. Right, right, right. But still, in theory, Kyrie's running – and it's like these guys are going to win like the next four league championships. Didn't happen. Right. They but went the, to like five, four or five straight championships. The opportunity was there, yes. So, uh, I thought they were missing a big guy. And that wasn't Tristan Thompson. It wasn't. That was wasn't, not Tristan Thompson. Was not no, and, uh, they liked a big guy. I they liked a big. Yeah. 
That's the only thing I think kept him from winning two or three, four championships in a row. But things change when LeBron comes back to Cleveland. Kyrie just, I think being around LeBron, the focus is completely on that team now. And the spotlight's on you even more. You're a former number one overall pick. Not just a first-round pick. You're the number one pick. Right. The most coveted player. And Kyrie just starts to ball out. Um, You know, they go to the postseason. They lose to the Warriors. You know, then March 2015 gets around. Kyrie's balling out. He's putting up, like, 40 and 50-point burgers. In games, let me uh, scroll down here. While he was still assisting. While he was still assisting LeBron, and LeBron was still grabbing 30 or 40 points a game. Right. Uh, On March of 2015, Kyrie scored a career-high 57 points. Uh, It was the most points for a player in a regular season game against the defending champions since the Wilt Chamberlain days because this happened against the San Antonio Spurs. It also surpassed the Cavaliers' franchise single-game scoring mark of 56 points, which was set by LeBron. Uh, he helped the Cavaliers win 34 of their final 43 games that season. They finished as the two-seed in the Eastern Conference. Uh, in his first career playoff game, he would score 30 points to help over Cleveland defeat Boston in Game right. 1 of their first-round playoff matchup. Uh, he went on to help him reach the finals for the second time in franchise history, despite missing two games in the Eastern Conference Finals. The course that first year they would lose to the Warriors in six games. Um, so then uh, Kyrie's, you know, continuing to ball out here. We all know the 2015-2016 season. Warriors go 73 and nine. We got a rematch from the prior year's finals. Right. They're coming up. Uh, the Cavalier, they breezed. The, I want to point this out. The 2015-2016 Cavaliers with Kyrie at the helm with LeBron and Kevin Love, they went 12-2 and in the playoffs to reach the finals. They faced Golden State for the second straight year. Uh, Irving struggled in his first finals game. He only... <laughs> He only shot seven to twenty-two from the field. Well, look who's going against. Well, yeah, him. yeah. Uh, and then, of course, you know they're down. You know, three-one. They come back and win. I Kyrie hit a three-pointer with fifty-three seconds left in the game. You know, LeBron had the big block on Andre Iguodala right. that we've all seen uh-huh. above right. the rim right. block. Uh, <clears throat> but anyways, Kyrie. Put the clutch shot in. They won the series 4-3. Brought a 52-year championship drought Drought, to the city of Cleveland. Brought the Cavs their first championship. They they go on. They face the Warriors again the following year. Kyrie's putting up numbers. And then eventually they lose. And then in 2017, July of 2017, Kyrie requested a trade out of Cleveland. The rumor mill was that he wanted to be more of the focal point on his team instead of just being a LeBron James contributor. Uh, Take that what you will. Uh, he would get traded to the Celtics. And then I'm not going to code them down and read all through right. all this more and more. I shouldn't have to sell you on Kyrie, no, I don't think. No. But Kyrie um, helps Boston 
get to the playoffs some. They don't do that great. There's no championships or nothing. Uh, and then eventually he gets – he leaves Boston and ends up with – in Brooklyn. I'm trying to find where that is. I just skipped over my notes. Uh – in July 2019, he's so two years after he got to Boston, he goes to Brooklyn. He becomes the star of the show, and then COVID 19 mandates, mass mandates, city of New York. Kyrie <laughs> refuses to be vaxxed, yeah. so he won't play. Right. So then they find loopholes to where he can play on games where they're not playing in New York City, and then this. This season that's currently ongoing, or that is just wrapped up, and we're in postseason time, wherever we're at here. Um, he didn't make his season debut until later in the season. Did they even reach the playoffs? I don't know. I haven't checked the stats on this yet. I don't know if Brooklyn's in there or not. I haven't been paying attention. I haven't either. Uh, fun fact, he was in contention for a position on the Australian team for the Olympics. However, he decided to be on the United States team for the 2016 Olympics. Um, he be- Another fun fact, with the 2016 Summer Olympics gold medal, he became just the fourth member of Team USA to capture an NBA title and gold medal in the same year, joining LeBron, Jordan, and Pippen. Uh, in addition to this, uh, as most players do, as I started to put this in here, because now we're starting to get into some of the March notes here, where it was a little bit more better. A little bit more better. That's a dumb thing. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? What the fuck was that? A little bit more better. God, I'm trying to. This is supposed to be our magnum opus. We look like magnum dumbasses. Oh. But anyways, he's he's a, you know, all the things you'd expect for a player with his caliber. Multi-million dollar shoe deal, acting roles. He's involved in various charity and activism causes. He was uh, a lot of money in support of uh, the George Floyd incident that rocked the nation, the Dakota Pipeline issues. He helped uh, fund and actually build towers for fresh water in Afghanistan and Pakistan. He's a flat earther, dude. He's a flat earther. He helped pay. One thing, though, that was cool. He helped pay salaries of the underpaid WNBA women who opted out of the 2020-2021 season because of COVID. Uh, that's impressive. That is. Uh, and here, here's the stats. Uh, seven-time All-Star. One-time NBA champion. All-Star game MVP. All-NBA second team. Two-time All-Third team. Rookie of the year. All-Rookie team. And did he get a 75th? He was snubbed on the 75th anniversary team. So, let's let's talk Kyrie here. I think he's a top 25 worthy. Think he's a flat earther? Uh, He says he is. Flat earther, huh? Well, I don't know. It's what I hear. It's what you hear? No. He's a flat earther. I don't know about all that. Yeah. Okay, so... Whoa. Only thing I well, hit he, me he's on it. the list. Maybe not seventeen. Maybe twentieth. Twenty, maybe. But I almost put him in at twenty-five, but I thought maybe that was too low. Eh, I'm saying twenty, twenty-five, somewhere around there. Definitely worthy of the top twenty-five. Okay. Is that fair enough? That's fair enough. Right. So we're getting ready to jump to sixteen. So my thought process here is. 
We will roll 16. We will roll tape on 15. And then we'll shut it down. I'll upload it. We'll go right back into recording. Yeah. So. I'd uh, say we say the, the final 10 for the last episode. Right? Yeah. So yeah. we're going to break this down because this is so much data. And uh, I've only. I'm still working on the notes, as I've mentioned right. twice now. Um, I Last night, I tapped out about 2 o'clock in the morning or this morning. So, because me and Kurt don't work today, we don't right. work Friday, uh-huh, so right. we get our paid holiday for Good Friday yeah. today. Today, yes. We go back to the shithole tomorrow. I can say shithole, it's fine. <laughs> but, uh, so yeah. So, I've got to work on eight through one, which, by the way, there's a tie at two. Right. Because that one was tough. Yeah. Tough, yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to give anything more away, but I do want to pay at least one or two more bills here just kind of because it's nice to get back in the rhythm of doing this shout out a little ice cube there yeah so check out beauty and the beard co on facebook they have a dot com they're a local company we're not local for us but they're a small company should say based in marysville ohio um they have great swag. They have soaps, beard kits. Kurt don't have to worry about that anymore. No, as I no. well, not for a few weeks. As anyway. I'm sitting here, he looks like a 1970s Ron Jeremy porn star. With <laughs> he's got a little bit of a goatee, and it's mostly all stash. <laughs> but, uh, check out Beauty and the Beard Co. for all your beard knits. Uh, knits. Damn, I can't talk today. <laughs> for all your beard needs. Kits, swag, soaps, essential oils, the work, and for our users, if you enter discount code SteelToes15 at checkout, you will get discounted merchandise. And so, the porn star look. The porn star look. <laughs> oh. No. Okay, so this one, Doyle had an opinion on last night as well. And I was like, damn it, I'm not changing this list. This I started putting this. Now we're starting to get into some of the April notes. Um, I literally only have like two or three Moncrief paragraphs, I think. Well, yeah, let's get it out there. Okay, maybe a few more. So <laughs> we'll, we'll just kind of scope things here. So coming in at 16... Uh, Sidney Moncrief. Sidney Moncrief. Sid the Squid. Yeah, pretty tough. Sir, Sir Sid. I always <clears throat> like the Sid the Squid myself. What a defender. Born September 21st, 1957 in Little Rock, Arkansas. He played college ball at Arkansas. Fun fact, and I put this in bold. Can you tell me who his assistant coach was? And it's got Indiana ties because... There's a court named after his assistant coach who would become a head coach for an Indiana collegiate university. Don't know. What is Purdue's court named? Katie. There you go. Okay. That See, was, I did not know that. Gene Katie was his assistant. assistant coach. I figured you'd get a pop out of that. Uh, yeah. Gene Katie. Wow. The little bulldog. <sighs> Anyways, Moncrief was drafted fifth overall in the first round of the 79 NBA draft by the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, during the 80-81 season, so his second year, um, he helped him get to a 60-22 and record, third best in the league 
despite a strong showing in the regular season, Milwaukee would lose in seven games to Philadelphia in the conference semifinals. After Coach Don Nelson unsuccessfully contested Milwaukee's 99-98 Game 7 loss for two hours and 16 minutes, when bringing up if Philadelphia got away with a 24-second shot clock violation at the end of the game. Uh, did not remember that. Did not remember that? I didn't even know that. I had to Google research that. I'm trying to think of somebody's supporting cast, Baldwin in here. Oh, let's see what we got here. Terry Cummins. Terry Cummins. There's a fun name. Was uh, No, who would be? Um... Moncrief would lead the Bucks to a sweep of Larry Bird and the Celtics in the second round. Buck Williams. In 83. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's see. On November of 83, Moncrief would score 25 points and blocked a career-high four shots against Alex English and the Nuggets. Alex English. Damn it. Who was a former Buck player, I do believe. Moncrief recorded his first career triple-double with 16-10-10 and 10 in December of 83 over a win over the Cavaliers. And November of 84, December of 84, Moncrief and Cummings and Paul Pressey, Paul Pressey combined right. for 76 points and an impressive 67% of Milwaukee's points in a game against the Pistons. Talk about Paul Pressey. A win in which the Bucks were without Coach Don Nelson, Mike Dunleavy Sr., okay. and Charles Davis, who had all suffered neck and back injuries. Uh, that was an impressive one. 67% of their points. That's pretty impressive, yeah. Mike Dunleavy Sr. was on that team. Yeah. I'll be damned. I did not know that. Um, Milwaukee was reaching a lot of the postseason. I, I got some year-by-year rundowns here, but Moncrief was helping them get to the postseason quite a bit. Uh, I think he touched base with Dennis Johnson here coming up. Let me see here. I remember reading something about that. Oh, you whore. I can't do this left-handed, bro. Let me scroll back up here. That didn't sound right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you whore. I can't do this (laughs) left-handed. What's going on? <laughs> oh God! <laughs> well, I'm just saying that's a three company moment. There. Okay. Yeah. I lo- hey. Hey. Yeah. Three Three's Carper, Mister Roper, Roper, or Mister Hurley. I like Roper. Hurley. Really? really? Yeah, I like Roper. Roper? Yeah. I, I like Don Knotts. Yeah, but I mean, I thought I don't know. Don thought. Knotts, Barney Five, Don Knotts, Mister Hurley. Don Knotts, Barney Five. Nice. Yeah. Mr. Furley was pretty funny, though. He was funny. But you pick Roper over Furley. <laughs> yeah. Just because of his wife. Man, oh, man. Mr. Suzanne Roper. Summers. <sighs> yeah. You remember Suzanne Summers' Three's Company. Oh, yeah. I remember being a preteen boy, Suzanne Summers, ABC, Friday night, TGIF lineup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Family Matters, Step by Step, which is where I remember Suzanne Summers yeah. from. Damn, I was just thinking about it. man. She was uh, she was a very well endowed lady. She had a pair of Ph double Ds. Very yes. bright, very bright girl. Very bright girl. <laughs> She's pretty, pretty, pretty. 
Yes. I didn't lost my fucking train of thought. Okay, during the 87 <laughs> NBA playoffs, that's advancing past the 76ers in the first round. On May 15th, 87, Sid Moncrief scored a playoff career high of 34 points in a Game 6 win against the Celtics in the Eastern Conference semifinals. The performance was notable given he was primarily guarded by fellow defensive great Dennis Johnson. Uh. But the Bucks were going to lose the series in seven games. On May 24th, it was announced Moncrief and Tim, teammates Randy Brewer, Terry Cummins, Jerry Reynolds would each be fined thousands of dollars for the roles in an altercation in the game. Danny Ainge and Greg Kite of the Celtics were also fined. The altercation began when Ainge fouled Moncrief from behind during a fast-break layup attempt, and no players were ejected or suspended. In arguably the last healthy playoff series of his career, Moncrief would average 20-4. and four. Uh, On December 23rd, 1988, by frequently missing games due to knee and foot injuries, Moncrief would come back to score 25 points in large to making perfect 13-13 for free throw attempts. Moncrief would retire for the first time at the conclusion of that year's postseason in the Eastern Conference semifinals, lost to the Detroit Pistons. He would set out the NBA for one year then during the 89-90 season. Uh, Moncrief played one season with Atlanta before retiring at the conclusion of the postseason. On May 2nd, 91, he would score 23 points in only 22 minutes during a Game 4 victory against the Pistons, although the Hawks would go on to lose the series. The Bucks initially retired his number 4 jersey in 90 and rededicated it at halftime in January of 2008 when the Warriors, with whom he was a shooting coach for at the time, was in town to play the Bucks. During the 80s, Moncrief was the leader of the Bucks, who had had the third best winning percentage for the entire decade behind only the Lakers and the Celtics with Bird. Bird, yeah. Moncrief was known for his versatility on the court given that he was six foot four in stature, but was known most known for his tenacious defense. defense yes. Although he was thought of as one of the greatest shooting guards of his time. He is technically considered a point guard. He was never able to get to the finals, which hampered his status, or so they say. Right. Uh, Moncrief was named the ABA Defensive Player of the Year. Skip that. I just remember a toughness about him, too. He was a tough kid. He was nasty. Yes. Yeah, he would have fit right in with the Pistons. He was a mini Bill Lambeer. He would have fit right in with the Pistons team, you know, bad boys. Uh, Moncrief still holds the Bucks record for career free throws with 35.05 and career free throw attempts with 42.14, as well as the career offensive rating, 119.7. Uh, he had bad knees, which severely hampered his career. Um, among Moncrief's biggest fans was all-star Michael Jordan, who once described his intensity saying when you play against Moncrief you're in for a night of all around basketball he'll hound you everywhere you go both ends both ends of the court uh, Larry Bird was saying that uh, Moncrief does everything you're supposed to do on defense and doesn't take any shortcuts and I really don't like playing him <laughs> that's uh, pretty good uh... yeah Julius Irving would say Moncrief was one of the best he'd ever seen uh he was inducted into the Wisconsin Athletic Hall of Fame in 98. He was put in the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame in 2019. He's a five-time NBA All-Star, a one-time All-NBA First Team, four-time NBA All-Second Team, 
Two-time Defensive Player of the Year, back-to-back years, 84 and 85. Four-time Defensive First Team, one-time Defensive Second Team. Uh, A solid pick. Solid pick. Top 25 for sure. Top 25 for sure? Yeah. Okay. So, now here we are up at 15, and we have a tie. Oh, man. So, we can either do both 15s. We'll do both. And then break. Okay. So, 15A, Chauncey Billups. Yeah. Champion. Born September 25th, 76, Denver, Colorado. Went to school at Colorado? Went to school at... uh, Is he a Buffalo? You know, I didn't put it in there. For some reason, I think he did go to Colorado. He wasn't... Yeah, Colorado. That's right, yeah. Uh, yeah, Colorado. Buffalo. So, uh, him and head coach... Uh, he was the first-round pick, third overall, 97 NBA draft by the Celtics. Patino at that time had left Kentucky. Sure, yeah. Kentucky was in, you know. Louisville. Louisville. I remember. Or, no, left. No, it was he was UK. Oh. Then he went to Boston. Ron Mercer. Mercer. He okay. brought Mercer from college. Right. Okay. Uh, him and Patino didn't get along. Yeah, it wasn't very long that uh, there was literally nothing I put in here about this because within a year he was traded. Not even a year. It was half a season. Him and whatever reason, him and the coaching staff, him and Patino didn't get along. There's nothing of serious note. They dealt him at the trade deadline in February 98. Uh, He went to the Toronto Raptors. Um... Popeye Jones and Kenny Anderson was part of the trade deal that went back to Boston. Uh, And then in his second career game with the Raptors, he blows up for like 27 points, 13 for 16 from the free throw line. Um, Yeah. Uh, On January of 99, though, he would be dealt from – he was dealt from – Toronto. I'm just getting ahead of myself. <laughs> he was going to play for the Nuggets. He would go to Denver. Okay. So he would go back home. Uh, I don't think this worked out very well either, did it? No, because um, he he hops around a lot the first few years of the career, and by all intents and purposes, <laughs> kind of a bust. Yeah. That's what people are thinking. That's right. what. Sports until, writers are thinking until until he gets to, and we're just going to skip to that. Yeah, he he was bounced around. Um, and really looking to NBA find it. circles. It was a yeah. bust after Denver uh, had released him in February two thousand. Well, I take it back. There's another stop. Okay. Uh, in February two thousand, he would be traded to the Magic along with Ron Mercer, <laughs> who we just mentioned earlier. Right. He was on the injuries list. He would never play a game for the Magic. They then released him. He's considered a bust. He would then be signed by the Minnesota Timberwolves. Okay. Um, he's still not really... It wasn't a fit there wasn't, wasn't, wasn't really a fit there at first. And then in 2001, 2002... Um, 
can't think of the guy's name. I should have put in the notes. Their star point guard goes down. Chauncey Billups would replace him. And then in 2001-2002, Billups would have, like, a breakout season yeah. where after, you know, six, five, six years in the league, now this dude's coming out right. all of a sudden and he's – Matured or whatever. Yeah, he's having a breakout season. He becomes a free agent. He wanted to go back and sign with Minnesota again. They didn't want it. So in June of 2002, he signed a five-year, $35 million contract with the Pistons. <coughs> um, which Here's the Chauncey Billups. Yeah, this is Chauncey Billups. Everything right. changes. And over the course of these next couple of seasons, um, Chauncey really blossoms into his own. He's putting up some double-doubles. Um, he's looking good. And then things change even more because – Towards the end, uh, in the 2003 playoffs, the top-seeded Pistons would – so this is another thing. The, he, he signs with them, and the next year they're the top-seeded playoff team. Okay. Um, they fall behind the eight-seed Magic in the first round, three games to one. They come – and the, they take it to a game seven – Billups scores 37 points to help clinch a series 4-3. They then beat the 76ers in the Eastern Conference semifinals to advance to the Eastern Conference finals against the New Jersey Nets. They're swept 4-0. Rick Carlisle was the coach at the time. He gets fired. Right. Derek Coleman era. And then Larry Brown comes in. I'm trying to think of that Nets. Would it Keith Van Horn? Uh, Jason Kidd, probably. Jason Kidd. Uh, who did I just mention from Syracuse there? Derek Coleman? Coleman. Yeah. I wonder if Jason Kidd's on this list. I wonder, too. <laughs> huh. uh, but then 2004 is when the magic happens. Uh, he would average 16 points, five assists, three rebounds, one steal a game. Not s- no. stellar, but solid. Pistons would finish 54-28, and 28, third seed in the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, the first round series against the Milwaukee Bucks, Chauncey just balls out. Yeah, they get to the Eastern Conference semifinals against the Nets. Uh, there's some triple overtime games that happen. Uh, this was also the same year the the brawl. Yeah, at, you know. Yeah, that happened. Uh, but anyways, the 2004 NBA Finals. Billups would help Detroit win. Uh, he averaged – they would beat the heavily favored Lakers four games to one. Right. Chauncey would average 21 points, five assists, three rebounds, one steal per game, shooting 50% from the field, 47% from three-point line, and over 93% from free throws. He would get an NBA Finals MVP award. Uh, I know I'm skipping over a lot, but well, yeah. it's, it's really hard to kind of condense it all in. Basically, Chauncey is starting to come into his own when he gets to Detroit. This yeah. is the player that people thought they were getting when he was drafted by Boston. Uh, had a few other good players plugged in with him. Right. And it just – he continues to grow from there. And Rip Hamilton. Rip Hamilton. <clears throat> um, the Wallace boys. The Wallace, Ben, Rashid. Rashid. Flip Saunders was coach. Yeah. Um, so now I'm just going to kind of skip around here. Chauncey does a couple more stays in some places. <clears throat> Towards the end of his career, he would end up playing for um, the Clippers. I was drawing blank there. I was like, damn it. 
Um, let me see here. What else we got? He would move around a lot. Uh, in July 2013, he would sign a two-year, $5 million contract to return to the Pistons, but knee problems caused him to miss more of those seasons. And on June 30th, 2014, the Pistons announced they would not pick up their team option on him. And in September of 2014, he would announce his retirement from the NBA. Um, the Pistons retired his jersey number one, ultimate sign of respect. He's went on to have a coaching career right now. He's currently the head coach of the Portland Trailblazers. Right. Uh, he's very politically active. Uh, he's uh, rallies. He's endorsed uh, the Democrat Party, specifically Barack Obama. He had a brief stint working for ESPN. I know I didn't run through all this completely, but as a teenager, I loved Chauncey Billups. I was a huge Chauncey Billups guy. And the resume reads as, uh, you know, he's a one-time NBA champion, one-time finals MVP, five-time all-star, you know, all-NBA second team, two-time all-third team, two-time all-defensive second team, sportsmanship award, teammate of the year. And uh, that's all I got for Chauncey. Yeah. 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 We'll go with that. Now, I really hope you don't want me to sell you on this one because this is a lot of shit to read, too. I, I really did a lot. I mean, there's 63 pages of notes, bro. 15B. He's okay. a young buck. Born in Long Beach, California, L.A. November 12, 1988. Michael Westbrook. Not Michael Westbrook. Or what is his name? Russell Westbrook. Westbrook. Selected fourth overall by the 2008 in the 2008 draft by the Seattle SuperSonics, who less than a week later would become the Oklahoma City Thunder. Huh. All I need to say about Westbrook you is uh, sell me on him, bro. triple double, triple double, triple, triple, triple double. double. Yeah, and he's record. He's he's had four seasons now where he's averaging triple doubles. And if he could have shot, if he could shoot the ball, oh my gosh, holy crap! The unguardable, really. 2016-2017 season, he was on pace. He he just started putting up triple doubles. I want to point this out by saying, uh, a guy who's going to finish in the top five of this list, the big O, Oscar Robinson, um, was the only player in NBA history to ever average a triple double in the season, and Westbrook was chasing it. And it was either the 15-16 season or the 16-17 season. That's that's all you really need to know. <clears throat> right. Um, he's perennial. Uh, still playing. Still playing. He's uh, part of the Lakers super team right now with LeBron. He's, he's had some stint. He did he did a little bit of time over there in uh, Houston the last right, few years. Right. But uh, he's always always a bridesmaid, never a bride. So maybe that hurts him. I know. I, I, I don't know. I don't think so. I don't. But not only is he averaging the triple doubles, then he kept averaging another triple double I mean, and I another even, triple double. I might even put him higher than. Oh, you got him. And goddamn, he might well be deserving of that. Yeah, I mean, triple double this day and age with all the athleticism out there. But I tell you what, that's pretty impressive. <laughs> uh, I mean, unguardable at times. Unguardable is a good word for it. Um, 
I know I keep saying this is supposed to be our magnum opus episode, but I haven't really. Well, we got to the top ten. No, maybe it'll get better in the lab, but there's so much information that I think I'm just sitting here getting overwhelmed about where to start with it, where to go with it. You ain't got to sell me on that one, bro. Okay, well, for those of you that are listening, uh, Westbrook got a lot of money to stay with you. So, so Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook. Damn, I can't talk today. Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, 2016, 2015-2016 season, Oklahoma City. It looks like a viable contender. They're kicking ass. They're taking it right to Golden State. Who, you know, just had the seventy-three and nine regular season. They look like they're going to beat them in the Western yeah. Conference Finals. Golden State, Clay Thompson, forty points a game, comes back, shuts down Golden State or shuts down OKC. Durant gets pissy, yeah. leaves in free yeah. agency, goes to Golden State, <coughs> cheats to win his ring. Yeah. <coughs> yeah, I agree. They're realizing that they just lost Durant. They're not going to lose Westbrook because Westbrook had been pretty vocal about wanting to return right. home to L.A. Didn't right. give a fuck if it was the Lakers or the Clippers. They signed him to a massive like $200 million contract extension. Um, yeah. You know, then they eventually deal him, you know, a year or two later to the Houston Rockets, puts him with James Harden. Uh, he likes the championship, though. But he likes not, the championship. He's not but, done yet, I guess. No, he's playing for the Lakers right now. Uh, 2020-2021, he averaged his fourth triple-double season. And what? Career, his fourth. So not only did nobody since... Big O average a triple double. Westbrook has now done it four fucking seasons. That's. I mean, they're not all been consecutive, I mean, but comfortably at fifteen could be higher. Fifteen higher. So, so here's what it is. Uh, he'd also win a gold medal. Um, did I put did I put all this other shit in there? They, he's kind of been criticized for. Uh, some people think he's a ball hog, which I think if you're that fucking good, you can kind of do what you want. Um, well, I mean, if you're unguardable. But here's his resume. He's a one-time NBA MVP. So it was the 2016-2017 season because that's the year he got the MVP. He's been a three-time assist leader, a two-time scoring champion, a nine-time All-Star, two-time All-Star game MVP, Two-time All-First Team, five-time All-Second Team, two-time All-Third Team, two-time Scoring Champion. I think I said that he was, uh, you know, Rookie Team. Did he win Rookie of the Year that year or not? I'm I think not he sure. did. No, but he did get a bid for the 75th Anniversary Team. So, so there you go. Um, so, you know, we're breaking the fourth wall. I'm going to crack jokes when we record again. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. How are you, Kurt? What a beautiful day. You know, because we've. But the way the list reads now, so we got the top. We've done the top 15 here. You know, at 25, you've got a tie with Kenny the Jet Smith and Stefan Marbury. You've got Derek Rose at 24, Mark Jackson at 23, Mo Cheeks at 22, Chris Paul at 21. At 20, you've got a tie between Jerry West and Tim Hardaway Sr. 19, you have Mark Price. 18, you have Tiny Archibald. 17, Kyrie. 16, Sid Moncrief. 
And at 15, you've got a tie between Chauncey Billups and Russell Westbrook. Okay. So, one more time here. Uh, let's pay the bill. All right. Let's shout out our, our favorite baby girl. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Ice Cube. It's like 1994, Ozzy. Like Barry White. I just keep waiting to hear Barry playing. Yeah, man, it's so good. It's like old school G funk, uh, like yeah, slow gangster yeah. rap. <clears throat> so check out Nana's Aromas LLC on Facebook, or check her out at nanasaromas.com. Located in beautiful Harrison County, Indiana, Palmyra. It's uh, beautiful Na- up that way. Yes, it is. Nana has a store, but uh, she's uh, takes COVID pretty seriously. She, uh, anyways, call her to schedule an appointment to view her store. Otherwise, you can shop online. Um, she makes candles custom made from start to finish everything done by her the labeling the wicks the hand wicking all of it but she has more than just candles she has air fresheners she has melts uh, the works anything you need uh, and she does everything in small batch quantities for better QC she sent us a free candle I don't burn it very often because I don't want to waste it it smells good it's good enough to eat blueberry cheesecake Smells good enough to eat. Ah, yes, Kurt. So, uh, Nana does ship all over the U.S., so please, please, please give her a call at 812-972-3670. That's 812-972-3670. Or check her out on the web. Yes, sir. All right, bro. Right on. So, hope you guys enjoyed part one of the top 25 point guards of all time this was the hardest and dumbest thing we've ever done <laughs> i promise you we will not do a ranking of right shooting guards the forwards uh, or the centers yeah. ever, right. ever, ever 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 fucking right. ever right <laughs> we'll never do another no. ranking episode of anything again so you should have come to me that day and be like well you know this I'm is gonna... what we're doing yeah, yeah this well, okay. I mean, we're all right we're all right <coughs> All right, bro. Yep. I'll, uh, guys, we'll see you next time. Peace out.